The second file of Police Squad, Spielberg loves Stanley Kubrick, and Transformer closes out the WitWiki trilogy this week on Ladies and gents, and everyone else, welcome to 302010, the uh, Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you back to a world of 30, 20, and 10 years ago. We will tell you what happened this week, this week being June 25th through July 1st, across three different decades, 1991, 2001, and 2011. Uh, we're talking Spielberg robots and uh, Transformer. Those are both the same thing. Uh, <laughs> now that I think about it, um, but in addition to that, one of the funniest, the, one of the funniest film trilogies ever, and one of the weirdest comedies from people I like in a movie I don't. Um, this is such a weird week. It's such a strange week for releases. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. I'm Diana Goodman, and I sign my pity on the running kind. Ooh, Sata Day. Sata Day. It's me, Sarah, and we're going to talk about when the comedies. That is made by people I don't like that mm -hmm. I actually do like the comedy. Yeah. And guess yeah. what? It's the same movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's a very, very strange week. Man, not a lot of like huge hits, but like a notable week for films across the board. Television. We have a lot of uh, secret great movies, too. Movies maybe you've not yeah. heard of. And it's like did okay, and it just sort of fallen by the wayside. And since then, it's like, oh shit! I'm rewatching all these things, and like, I want to recommend this. I want to recommend this. Man, I haven't even thought about some of these movies in forever since I was working at a movie store this year. So I have intimate familiarity with like touching every box that we talk about in the middle <laughs> decade. Um, but uh, without with, uh, first, we got to say thank you very much to our patrons at Patreon.com/slash/LaserTime, like our executive producer Landon Justin Justinin. Justin in, Justin in, he or she's from Canada. That's all I know. And <laughs> Justin in. Uh, but thank you so much to our many fine patrons at patreon.com slash laser time. Five bucks. Plenty more big stuff coming your way. Oh, Lord. 30, 20, 10 this week. It's big. Um, but getting into that, let's start as we always do in 1991. A little bit of news to bring you into the world we're talking about. People under 30 might not remember. Slovenia and Croatia declare independence from Yugoslavia. They also might not remember Yugoslavia. They probably don't remember Yugoslavia. Yeah. So Yugoslavia was sort of a grab bag country where we just sort of threw together a bunch of folks that turned out not to like each other that much yep. and only stayed together because they had, you know, an Iron Man dictator in charge and the backing of the USSR. And so now that that's starting to fall by the wayside, uh, everybody starts heading off in their own directions. And guess what? They're all going to start shooting each other. No. Yes. Oh, no. It's time for some genocide, everybody. Oh, boy. Oh. Yeah, it's coming. Oh, Lord, it's coming. Oh, boy. And um, so with that out of the way, because I don't have anything to bring to that, uh, 1991, I'm 11. So we'll talk about the <laughs> movies that are coming out this year, uh, this this week. And, um, man, I don't know anything about Eyes of an Angel, a.k.a. The Tender. <laughs> oh, well, we're hitting, we're getting pretty much at the nadir of John Travolta's career right here. Mm -hmm. This did not even come out in the U.S. Uh, it went direct to video. Because um, it's about a guy and his daughter, and they're like, involved in he gets involved in organized crime at the same time she like rescues a dog from dog fighting and it's all about like saving the dog and then she runs away and they like they go on the run and it's like this sounds very confusing why mm -hmm. is it called eyes of an angel or the tender when it sounds like it's about saving dogs yeah, I, I don't have a good bead on john, john travolta's career except that when pulp fiction came out 
he almost exclusively did press with Quentin Tarantino so he could be asked, like, what about all the shitty movies you've been in? And I'm like, what? I'm a little kid. and like, look who's talking. That is not a shitty movie, that adult friend. Classic. These are great films. and But that's how he was being talked about in 94. Tarantino oh, saving yeah. his career from the yeah. absolute doldrums. And I guess here we are three years earlier with yeah. Eyes of an Angel. And yeah. I guess it's this crap. is definitely, okay, I was going to say this is skippable. But instead, watch the movie that I watched this weekend with John Travolta, which is uh, Blowout. Oh, you watched oh, Blowout? Yeah. Yeah, I Blowout's great. Oh, yeah. that's, that's coming up on Classic Corner in like a couple weeks. Oh, oh hell yeah. God, yeah, I hate the structure. I wish the whole show was awesome. Classic Corner. <laughs> I'm tired of this. I saw Raiders this week and just wanted to talk to Diane about it on a podcast. Yo. Oh, uh, God. I love Raiders too um, Scanners 2 is out this week. I think I saw this first and didn't get it. And then I found out about the head blowing up scenes of the original Cronenberg uh, scanners. And that's the only one I care about now. Because I think there's like it's, three yeah. of these scanners. It's a Chris- it's a Chris classic. Watch the sequel, the bad sequel. I first. know. Well, you watch the one on the movie channel you can afford first. Thank you, Encore. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, it has nothing. I mean, it, it has nothing to do with the original Scanners. It's not made by David Cronenberg, and it's like 10 years after the original. Yeah. But, you know, there's people that can blow each other's heads up. That's fun. Cool. Scan me. Um, do or die with Pat Morita and Eric Estrada. This I, I want to see. Throw this. I had to throw this in here because I did not know they were in a movie together. And it is directed, written, produced by Andy Sedaris, who did is not related to those other Sedari, but friend. he is a great trash filmmaker. Please go find Hard Ticket to Hawaii if you want oh. some quality Andy Sedaris. Oh, Frisbee made of razor blades. That movie is great. Yeah. The, this <laughs> one's um, I, usually they have like lady federal agents who work for an organization who have to solve something, often wearing bikinis and <laughs> Sounds like this one is too. So, <laughs> oh, there you I want to see it so bad. Why do we have to talk about the next movie, Europa, aka Zen- Zentropa? Yeah. Uh, with okay, a, so... with a bunch of Europeans in it. <laughs> yeah, let me explain why it's called Europa, aka Zentropa, because we have another movie coming out called Europa, Europa soon. Oh. That makes things confusing. But uh, so it got called Zentropa, and that is been since used as the production company name of the filmmaker our buddy Lars von Trier oh okay Mm. yeah now since we've already talked about melancholia and antichrist and uh breaking the waves Mm -hmm. and um dancer in the dark picture those in your mind and now let me tell you this might be his most upbeat film okay (laughs) okay what does this one take place at like a veterinary clinic where they put down cats and dogs for a living that all of that would be more upbeat than the other movies we've talked about of his actually it's about secret nazis after world war ii oh okay yeah okay. it's about you know the death of the german soul to fascism uh mm-hmm. about you know uh, jean-marc Barr plays this american german american guy who goes over after world war ii like all these like great ideals and he gets a job working on a train and he finds out like oh everything is corrupt and there are all these ex-nazis that are up to no good and killing people mm. but it's it's not as crushingly depressing as every every large frontier <laughs> movie this is only like his second or third and it's visually really cool though because like parts of it in black and white parts are in color sometimes things are like projected in the background so instead of like they're in a train station but the background is like a just a giant watch it's it's just very artistic and creative and does not make you want to drink bleach. I mean, when your least depressing film in your oeuvre is mm-hmm. about Nazis. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Bruh. When your least yes. depressing thesis is don't trust Nazis all the time. Bruh. Yeah. 
that's something else. <laughs> it really is. But like, I have to recommend it because it is. Yeah. If you didn't know where Lars Ventura was going in his career to be the most depressing man in the universe and you, you wouldn't pick it up from this movie. You'd be like, oh, he's like an interesting artistic guy. Like maybe he's interested in video effects or something. I, I bet he'll get into special effects later on. Yeah, no, <laughs> he'll get into making you want to die because humanity is cursed. Whew. Well, all right, good. At least there's a mainstream counter-programming to that kind of bleakness. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Europa, a.k.a. Zentropa. Mostly you find it under Europa now because it's not confused with Europa, Europa, which is also about Nazis and I will also end up recommending. Very confusing. I made sure not to get depressed as I watched this movie and, and looked at the cast and like, why is mm. everyone from this movie dead? I'm like, oh, well, if you yeah. casted a bunch of septuagenarians in a movie 30 years ago, odds are, and made them All their leads. All of them leads. are dead except for... The one. There's one, mm. and then one of the one is we regard as dead. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> dead to me. Goulet, Robert Goulet, um, OJ Simpson, <laughs> George Kennedy, um, for what was that gas pill he used to hawk? God, he's great. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, Priscilla Presley, uh, Leslie, she's still with us, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. I, just, I think she's the only one. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen in number one at the box office, Naked Gun Two and a Half, The Smell of Fear. Wherever women need protecting, lives need defending, and criminals need busting. Talk, you lowlife scum. If that's your attitude, forget it. Lieutenant Frank Drebin will be somewhere else. The water's over there, Frank. Leslie Nielsen. The Naked Gun, two and a half. The Smell of Fear, rated PG-13. <laughs> I don't I don't know why I thought the title was so funny, but believe me, we did. No one had ever <laughs> done two and a half and then make a vague fart joke with a naked gun. Ugh, just such a better title than Police Squad. I fucking love this movie. Yeah. Like, I am not, it is a, it is literally a laugh a minute. Yeah, like, pretty much. See, I, we threw it on this weekend because I watched it a ton when I was a little kid because it was one of the movies that was always playing on HBO, I want to say. Because yeah. there are mm. definitely scenes that have like stuck in my brain that I know word for word. Mm -hmm. So we threw it on for a refresher. And when I tell you that Sam and I were laughing throughout the entire <laughs> movie, <laughs> just with like how joyfully silly it is. <laughs> it's it's, it's, it, that, it's that, balm for the soul. Yeah, it's it's old time just right from the beginning. <laughs> Did you see the suspect? You white man, six foot four, mustache. That's a pretty big mustache. And then they just <laughs> keep going. <laughs> they don't I don't pause for a laugh. Uh it's it's very Zucker Abrams. It is my least favorite Zucker Abrams movie. And it's still funnier than almost anything that'll come out this year. Yeah, I feel like I all three Naked Gun movies I think are pretty funny. I feel like each one is a bit of a step down from the last one, though. And I think part of the problem is looking into it, finding out, oh, they didn't all work on this. It was kind of, this is kind of David Zucker on his own, mostly oh, okay. working on this. Because I was confused because we get we had talk about hot shots in a month. And yeah. it's like, oh, how damn. could they get stuff out that episode? Because that one's mostly Abrams working on that with, mm -hmm. you know, the other two suckers helping out and stuff. But this mostly one of them working on it. And like that might be part of what's going on. It's just you, you need when you're writing comedy, it helps to bounce things off of more people. Maybe you know, that makes sense, because the, the thing I don't like about Leslie Nielsen's latter day career is because everyone mistook him for the reason these movies were funny. Mm -hmm. And it is sort of true because if we talked about it with Naked Gun, the Zucker Abrams actually licensed a script from the 1960s. 
hired all the actors who would have been in those movies and straight-facedly made a comedy. They didn't react to their own jokes, whereas Leslie Nielsen later on, Mr. Magoo would, whoa, like just constantly Mm -hmm. vamping to stuff that's happened, where where an airplane and naked gun, he just says his lines and doesn't react. Mm -hmm. Except for this movie, where he reacts a lot to what is happening in his face. And that's why I don't like it as much as the other two. But maybe that was the other guy's trait then. Um, to play the comedy really hard because I think Top Secret was their movie before this and that movie holds up real well, surprisingly. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this Yeah, one... that's why I just... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I was laughing plenty, but it's like still... It's like it's just not quite as... It's not quite as good. It's still good. Still mm-hmm. funnier than I'm almost anything we'll see this good. year. Yes, and, yeah. yeah. It's still, and, but oh, when I think about like the first time I saw the first Naked Gun... And and rewatching it what a couple of years ago and we talked about it and it was like I was in pain the next day. Or <laughs> <laughs> this one I was just pleasant, just just happy. Haha, <laughs> that was fun. And pointing out jokes like, oh shit, no one's gonna get that joke anymore. Oh well. Was it like the Dukakis being one of the major disasters along along? It was that or the uh, the police car opening ending with Jaja Gabor hitting that the was car. Deep cut. She had just that's slapped a, a police cut. officer like that year and been arrested, and uh, that's yeah. the mo- it's a great opening to the movie. Sure. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think it's it's for a PG thirteen movie. I think that's their big f bomb too. It's like every fucking time I try to go shopping, <laughs> but then there's jokes in there that are just I don't know. They're they're so simple, but they're executed so like skillfully that yeah. like it's so stupid he's like going to priscilla presley's apartment and he's got this huge bouquet of flowers and every doorway he goes through he shuts the flowers in the door <laughs> so when he gets up there he has like two stems like <laughs> that killed me and it's so simple and so stupid but the way it's executed is so perfect like i just love that kind of shit i love yeah, it's, it's perfect like we're about to like 10 years from now we'll be we'll be enjoying a type of comedy that is gross out and just kind of to the moon rated r but these movies have those moments like appealing to little kids saying things and getting away with fucking murder uh Mm -hmm. like like weird is that a description of anal sex or fisting doesn't matter it's a pg-13 movie we've moved on don't let anybody think about this too much uh i love these movies man i really do And I think part of the reason I was so delighted by this is that it's not cynical, mm-hmm. you know, and it's mm-hmm. not, it's self-referential in a lot of ways and mm-hmm. it's very meta in a lot of ways, but not in a way that's like, in a way that actually makes me laugh and not in a way that makes me like say, oh, I get it, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's like a big difference. I didn't. I, I, I don't understand the genre that they're parodying with Naked Gun as much as I understand when you think of a movie like Hot Shots, that is making fun of a fad of movies, like a current mm-hmm. fad of movies. Whereas, like, this is Police Squad was making fun of cop dramas from like mm-hmm. the 60s and 70s, which I have no knowledge of, but the movies are still hilarious to me. I mean, I've seen Dragnet. I, Come on. Yeah, yeah, I've seen Dragnet. Also, Drag too, Man. I mean, like, I would say you could draw a parallel between this and like any Tom Clancy movie that got made. Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. This one very wa- being very Washington present. Yeah. It's a kind of a political thriller in yeah. a way and, you know. Yeah, I think I think that's great that that, way. I, that might be it that because it does veer away from like the hard-nosed cop uh, right. it, it is more of a political thriller whereas the next one is just kind of cop slash making fun of the Oscars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I love. Um and yeah, I can't recommend these movies enough. I didn't I didn't get through the whole thing. Um, I think it was streaming for, is it, it's probably on Paramount Plus or will be, but uh, it was on IFC. Through IFC, you can stream this uh, uncensored, thankfully. Hmm. 
I also have to say, for no reason, I enjoy how mean they are to Barbara Bush. Yeah. <laughs> that is a very good Barbara Bush impersonator. Yeah. Uh, and I told that to Sam. I was like, that looks exactly like her. Looks just like her. And she's getting door slammed on her and punched in the face. And I love, there was one, one, of the, one of the jokes that goes by so fast. It's one that's like, oh, yeah, this is like for 60-year-old dads. This is when she gets knocked down. The Secret Service guys yell, great lady down, which, which that's a submarine movie. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, but, "Whoa, that was obscure!" Yay, me. Oh, that's how beautiful this movie is, yeah. though. Is that that flew right over my head, but I still laughed throughout the entire movie. Like, there's something literally for yeah. I, li- I like, yeah. and I would say only in this movie they pause a little more to like let you get jokes, but otherwise it's pretty fucking breathless. Mm-hmm. And it, even the be- I'm like. I can't remember why I didn't like this, and I'm watching the beginning, and then he starts eating the lobster. I'm like, yeah, this is great. Oh this God. is great. Just, uh, <laughs> I could not stop laughing. Sam was like, that is what I would look like if I had to eat a lobster right now. Like, yeah. I do not know how to do that. It's so funny. Yeah, my, my girl has to crunch the claws for me. I don't really know how to do all that stuff. And I, I might squeeze half a lemon out of my hand across the table. Um, Launching it into, into Winnie Mandela's hat. Yeah. <laughs> Was. The, part I, the part I think I actually have done something similar is when he, he there's like the bowl of melted butter and he puts a big chunk of lobster falls in it and he's like I don't know how to get that out and just sort of yes. grabs it with his hand. Yes. <laughs> I might have done something kind of like yeah, that. I did that, I did that recently. Yeah. I definitely did that it recently. It's just so many times where I'm using a kind of tool and I just give up and I'm just mm. like no no I don't I don't need a spackle with a trowel fingers I'm just doing my fingers I have fingers yeah. for real. Yeah. Ugh. God damn. I don't need this shrimp fork. I have fingers for a reason. Yeah, this is this is really good. I, I I'm happy these movies have kind of held up pretty well and don't appear to have been forgotten. They, for a movie from 1991, it airs on regular television all the time because it doesn't have much for objectionable content unless you use Twitter, which it definitely <laughs> has some. There's a lot of trans yeah. homophobia in these films, but um, there's not a ton yeah. in this one though. Yeah. I have to no. say, there was the <laughs> I did like the one joke about the. Um, is it like the medical examiner or is like the, the criminologist who's got, he's figured out all this amazing stuff with, you know, the evidence. And he's like, oh, it's so great. I'm going on Geraldo this week or whatever it was. And right. Like because of your discoveries, like, no, because my wife's a transsexual Satanist. Yeah. And I was like, it's like, okay, well, like the technically that is not a nice joke towards trans people, mm-hmm. but. You can be both. I, I think the objectionable thing there is mainly the term. Mm-hmm. Like I think yeah. that like, you know, I, I don't know. It, it that was honestly like the most objectionable by today's <laughs> standards thing that I yeah. saw in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah. The right. next the next one will have a, a much meaner. Yeah, I can't yes. stop thinking about Anna Nicole Smith's gosh. curvy dick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no dick looks like that, guys. What were they thinking? Yeah. Uh, but then I, I'm still kind of amazed that it is PG-13 because then there was also the joke where in there's in the sex shop where there's like a modified leaf blower or yes. something <laughs> that has like a dildo on the end of it yeah. where it's like like a sawzall. <laughs> it's just flopping around. It's crazy. And you've got to like start it like a lawnmower. <laughs> I forgot the ghost parody, too. The ghost parody is so good. Y'all just watch the movie. It's awesome. Yeah, Mm. probably the best ghost parody there is. Directed by that guy's brother. Wow, really? How about that? Yeah, ghost is directed by by, uh, the other Zucker. So crazy. Yes. I love that. It's adorable. It's like, oh, so cute. I, I know I, for some reason, like your husband talks about this movie more than most of the other Naked Guns. So this one, I think, probably was airing a lot when he was at an impressionable age. But like, I whose husband? Yeah, uh, yeah, your your husband, Sarah, <laughs> uh, Sam. Okay, yeah, Sam yeah. talks about this one yeah. all the time. Sam um, does talk about I mean, it a lot. 
we referenced these movies, but um, yeah, I don't know why it's. It, it, I, I didn't get a chance to see it till very late, but one and three are my my out and out favorites. Anyway, moving into television. Anyway, moving into television of 1991, uh, the 25th of June through the 1st of July, 1st of July. Um, we're no longer at our nation's holiday yet. Um, Head of the Class has its finale, and I wish I could tell you more about that, except that it contains a cast member from Flight of the Navigator. Yeah. And- uh, yeah, I mean, it was a Howard Hespin vehicle, I guess, because he was Dr. Johnny Fever on WKRP in Cincinnati, ran for five seasons. He's a teacher for like a gifted class full of nutty characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you want? And I can't remember. I may have seen this if the kid from Problem Child guest starred, but I think that's Drexel's class. Um, ah. Okay. <laughs> but onto a show I did see, and it's oh, really difficult to think of them overlapping even by a day. Seinfeld. I, I know this episode. Seinfeld. Right, the bu- oh, go ahead. Seinfeld, the bus boy, uh, airs this week. And um, Sarah has a note here, some of the best physical comedy ever. <laughs> yeah. So this is the last episode of the second season. And... Truly, so the A story is the story of George inadvertently getting a busboy fired at a restaurant because he blames uh, a menu catches on fire and George puts the fire out and then it says, oh, the busboy put the menu too close to the candle and then gets the busboy fired. And then he's trying to make up for it by trying to get him another job, blah, blah, blah. The better story, though, is the B story where Elaine has a friend from out of town come and stay with her for a week. And she thinks it's going to be this, like, maybe sexy, fun time with this guy that she might be into. And by the end of the week, she hates him. Mm -hmm. And some of the (laughs) best. And A, I love it because that's always kind of the fear when you have someone come from out of town, stay with you that you don't know Mm -hmm. super well, but you're like, this will be fun. And then the fear is like, Oh God, what if it goes wrong? And I hate them and they're stranded here and they have a plane ticket and they can't leave. Also though, I will always remember this because Julia Louis Dreyfus is just one of the best physical comedians Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. we've ever seen. And in this episode, I'm, She's great, like, audio-wise, this is also a great clip that I pulled, but really and truly to, like, fully grasp what a fantastic comedic actress she is, you have to watch the clip of her trying to pack her friend up and get him out of the house on time to get to his airport. (laughs) It is phenomenal, like, Uh. watching her... Because you're laughing, but you're also feeling the same panic that she's feeling. Like, I've got to get this fucker out of my house. Like, she's so good at conveying (laughs) both of those things at the same time while just being incredibly hilarious. So I pulled the clip. It's on YouTube, though. You have to watch it with your own eyeballs because it's so (laughs) delicious. Get up. The alarm didn't go off. It's 9.15. You're going to miss the plane. It's 9.15. 9.15? Yeah. 9.15? We'll never make it. I'll leave tomorrow. Tomorrow? Are you crazy? She is sprinting. And yes, you I don't think 
I, the only time I've ever missed a flight is New York because you can't plan that close when you're dependent mm. on their transit system. Hell no. Mm. Hell no. And it was in LaGuardia. God forbid it was in JFK. Yep. There's no way you're getting there in less than two hours. What the hell? Mm-mm. Okay. Nope. Same thing happened to me. Yeah. The, the time that I got totally screwed out of a flight was at LaGuardia because it takes forever to get there because I don't know if there's a subway route there now, but it's subway to bus was how I had to do it. Mm-hmm. And then I finally got there and I got through security and then they put me in the wrong line and I'm just standing in this line and it turns out my plane was boarding from a different line. My... And I'm just standing there like an idiot and they're like, what flight are you on? This isn't your flight. And I'm like, you put me here. <laughs> oh, uh, oh Se- Seinfeld season two is over. So, but this is the last, I think, of their shortened seasons. They get yeah. a, maybe it's not though. I th- third season is when where some people start talking about Seinfeld. True. It's a, it's a weird growth that almost no other show has ever gotten on network television since like the fucking fifties. Um, that it took th- this long for Seinfeld to catch on. That's because it's burn, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but think about how many phenomenal, like, groundbreaking episodes we already talked about yeah. in their two short seasons. Yeah. We just, just, we already talked about Chinese Restaurant, which is yeah. like, precisely that, that is like the first episode of Seinfeld for me. Yes, mm. absolutely. And I mean, that's why Seinfeld is the best sitcom to ever be on television. Yeah. Also, I don't know if y'all saw, but James Hong is going to get his star on the Hollywood Walk. Hell yeah. Yes, I saw that. Great job, 302010. We did it single-handedly. I, yes. <laughs> Put in quotes right beneath it. Cartwright. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, on, the, on the 1st of July, right before America's birthday, uh, TNT is celebrating the TV movie Conniger with Sam Elliott and uh, Catherine Ross. Am I saying that right? Is it Conniger? Mm-hmm. We'll see. We have a trailer. You got one, Ma? Out of the pages of a Louis L'Amour Western rides a hero with a passion for justice. I don't believe I know you. My name's Conniger. A man with a restless spirit that pushed him too far. Make sure when the killing time comes, you're standing on the right side. And the kind of honesty that made him dangerous. Come after me again, you better be using that gun because I'm going to be aiming for your guts. You're a hard man, Conniger. What year did he commit to that mustache? Because I swear it's the exact same depth that it is in Parks and Rec. <laughs> Definitely Big Lebowski, same mustache. Wasn't was there in Lifeguard. Age- He's not aged a day. <laughs> Sam yep. Elliott. And In 30 I, years. You know, a quick shout out for 302010 purposes. Some of the, these clips we play off of YouTube. I do want to give a shout out to Video Detective. The it, mm-hmm. We play it like almost like, we play for something from that account almost three times per show because they're the only people who specialize in having crystal clear commercials for these forgotten things. Uh, Video Detective, if you know anyone over there, I'd be happy to donate to their Patreon because they've been incredibly helpful to us. Yeah. And I, I'm just looking mm-hmm. to see how many times have Sam Elliott and Catherine Ross starred <laughs> together. And it's it's only a couple times, but at this point, they'd only been married seven years. Oh, they're and they're still married. married. Ooh. Well, yeah. So Sam Elliott, y'all know Sam Elliott. I mean, how can you not? But Catherine Ross, you might not recognize the name. Butch casting the Sundance Kid, and she's Elaine in The Graduate. Oh. Mm. Yep. And okay. they've been married for, uh, well, they're about 37 years now. Thirty-seven years. Um, yeah, the guy from A Star is Born. Come on, people, you know, you know what's yeah. up. Um, again, I'll dig more into the games that came out this period because I trust me, it's a bunch of ports and arcade releases scatteredly across America at different dates. We'll go into that with the Video Game Apocalypse Boys. 
Uh, we got a lot of, to catch up on there, but I do encourage you, patreon.com slash time. The Video Game Apocalypse Boys will join me, possibly Chris Baker on occasion, uh, and we'll go through all the games that came out during this period of 30, 2010 uh, for as long and as drunk as we have to. Uh, but before we move on, we also have to note that oh, Court my bad. TV, the Court TV channel debuts. Right. Talk about tra- channel drift. Look, yeah, and that, that was uh, it debuts just in time to have the American system destroyed by it. Because yes. of well, when does the thing happen 90, with the Naked Gun co-star? Yep. 90, 95, but it's the Menendez brothers before that. Okay, mm. that because I remember thinking like Core TV kind of. I, I remember reading that it it kind of came on the scene, but then it really became a household name with a major televised trial. And I yes. thought it was the OJ one, but I think you're it, actually, it is I the Menendez, but Menendez. The, the, the first Menendez one. Is, but it's yeah. it's. Then OJ afterwards. Yeah. I think right, they, they were right. a channel who would occasionally broadcast trials, but would mostly have talking heads and lawyers talk about trials. Fantastic. Look, th- th- these, there's probably like a great YouTube channel devoted to that right now. But once they, they, they start pushing to put cameras in the courtrooms, they realize, oh, fuck. Well, everyone realizes too late. You made a spectacle out of these trials. And after the OJ case, every judge is like, Absolutely not. Will we put cameras in our courtroom? And Court TV kind of like loses its entire identity because it can't do that again. But yeah, well, I mean, it's. I mean, it, it's it's drifted, but it's true crime. Is there's always a lot well, of true crime to cover. If you're an American, it's imp- it's, a, it's impractical jokers now. And, yeah, and also, Adam ruins uh, everything. And I'm sorry with Andrea Savage. Is that what that's on? Very, very good sitcom. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I, I like the idea of people being able to see how the judicial system works from the inside because I do think that that is like something that a lot of people don't know about. Like, what does it look like when people pick a jury or like, you know, mm-hmm. how does all of this work exactly? The unfortunate part of it though is that when you put cameras in these places, people are going to start acting for the cameras mm-hmm. and they are going to start matching their behavior to what you see in like law and order and stuff. And I do think mm-hmm. that that is like a problem. Yes. Yeah. And I, I believe. And I- also if, if you've ever done any reporting from court, like I did as a journalism student, they make you go learn how to report on crime and court proceedings. You know, it's so slow and mm-hmm. boring. Yes. So slow. So boring. So many procedural things. And then the judge thinks about them for a while. <laughs> and then he gets back to you. And then there's another motion. And then, and then they got to talk about it. And then Jay it. Leno like, makes a dancing set of that I want someone bitch. to say you can't handle the truth and nothing here is fun. That's not necessarily – OJ's trial was very famous, one, for being the most famous murderer, but two, that it played out on cable TV for everyone to see, and everyone involved became a bigger celebrity than any Kardashian ever, including one Kardashian. And yep. and, <laughs> and it was – if you haven't seen all the things about – that's why it is so special, because people couldn't take their eyes off it, and normally they didn't have the luxury, and they wouldn't really again because – this was kind of a circus and fucked with if, – if you hear about the poor prosecutors on that case, it like ruined their whole life. Um, it was, it was yeah. pretty bad for their career. Mm-hmm. And they were, they were right the whole time. They just lost big on I mean, television. Poor Marsha Clark just mm-hmm. trying mm-hmm. to do her job and all of a sudden she's in the National Enquirer. Yes. Can you imagine just doing your boring-ass job and then all of a and sudden – And your Bob Ross haircuts and just – Yes. You know. oh. <laughs> oh, I feel so yeah. bad for her. Mm-hmm. I've thought about that sometimes of like, if, if they tried to turn my boring life into something scandalous, what, mm-hmm. what would like, yeah, the, the star or the other tabloids do? 
Um, I, and I don't know, but it's probably horrible. It's probably she horrible. sleeps the in a den of masks. Um. <laughs> <laughs> She's hoarding all the masks from the poor people who need them. But because I'm making them and I'm sending them out to people, she dresses her dog in adorable costumes. <laughs> you should Only hear the voice she uses to. She talk. refuses <laughs> to contribute any money to Black Friday by making her own clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Meet the anti-capitalist Diana Goodman. <laughs> oh, that's that's it. I'm probably involved in a drug ring where they're hiding the drugs in the vintage clothes that I go by. And that's why I never Obviously. buy anything new except like a Target. Yeah. Uh, there, there's few things I wish more that Diana was on more drugs because she's the first one to catch <laughs> and call me on my bullshit and be great if every once in a while I could see her fucked up. But no, no such luck. No such <laughs> luck. Um, we don't need that friend. Yeah. yeah. It's, called moder- it's called moderation. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Wait, wait. Yes, I do. One segment, one beer. I'm right there, baby. Mm. All right. Mm. That was, uh, was, uh, yeah. Anyway, games of 1991. We're not doing that um, because there's not really much to speak of. We'll dig into them more on a later date. Patreon.com slash laser time. We should have a new one up for you this week. Um, Rush Rush by Paul Abdul is number one in the music uh, music world January 25th through July 1st. But we also have new releases like Electric Ladyland or Electric Landlady. By uh, Christy <laughs> McCoy. What? She did that on purpose. She, she did. Mm-hmm. It's a really fun album. Too. I love her it's so got much. Her working with Marshall Crenshaw, with Johnny Marr. Yeah. Uh, Christy McCall is so great. <laughs> this is the mm-hmm. first time I've ever heard of this person. You're both like totally no, in agreement on no. the quality. kind of just talked about no, her like didn't. a couple of months we, ago. We talked about her brave death where yes. she got run over by a boat saving her child. Oh. Mm-hmm. And you, you have heard her a million times every Christmas when Fairy Tale of New York is played. Oh. God, I hate that song. And yeah, we had previously talked about her album that I am more familiar with that I also love, Tropical Brainstorm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Such a good album. I think I had one of those at Chili's. Um, uh, <laughs> Hollywood Vampires by L.A. Guns is also out this week, as is The Sky and Falling. The Sky is Falling and I Want My Mommy by uh, Jella Biafra. Stay, uh, Steady Diet of Nothing by Fugazi. Uh, and Luck of the Draw by Bonnie Raitt. Whoa! Mm. Is so good. She was on such a roll here. She just has these two albums, uh, "Nick of Time" and "Luck of the Draw." Where Bonnie Raitt had been around since the '70s, and all of a sudden, she's just like the biggest fucking thing. I like mean. everybody loves. Like she's got such broad appeal. She's a lot of fun. She swings and acts like a mofo. Bonnie Raitt's cool. Mm-hmm. Like her. I implore you to find a better one-two punch than something to talk about and I can't make you love me. Mm. Ooh. What a mood swing that does. And both <laughs> songs hold up beautifully. They're perfect. Okay. Something to talk about is a jam. That is such a jam. Yeah. I think we're closing the show with that because it's yes. such a jam. All right. But I until this segment has to close out with a Back to the Future theme song by Luther Vandross, Power of Love. Uh, don't need a credit card to ride this train. <laughs> Uh, parentheses love power <laughs> uh, power of love by luther vandross uh, parenthetical love power it's, it's hot- either or <laughs> yeah it's whichever one you want um uh, i love the man for inventing the burger donut that's that's what he'll always be my favorite for it is a delicious delight that i i don't partake in very much because somewhere or another i decided to care about living um he cared more about singing his heart out and eating a burger on a bun made of a donut. Uh, and thank God he did. But we'll close yeah. out with power. He's an innovator. <laughs> He's a real innovator. Thank you, Luther Vandross. We'll be back uh, right after this. Stay right there.
Chris. Matt. Come with me mm. on a journey of the mind. Imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. Mm. You too could be one of the first people to try the new Lawnmower 4.0 and be blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and details on the 4.0 are next level. We've talked about our trials and travails while trying to tame the hair down there. Let's just say that areas of the body were placed in peril that should never be put in such precarious positions. I've been manscaping for a very long time, oftentimes with painful results. I don't know why those other trimmer guys even call those things guards, because it certainly wasn't doing its job in guarding anything <laughs> the times that it resulted in injury. Take my word for it, manscaping has always been something I've been very much into, and no one made a product specifically for and I didn't think I could be happier with the previous Manscaper, but man, I cannot wait to try out the Lawnmower 4.0. Chris, Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. The fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my beautiful baby boys down under. This upgraded trimmer includes a multifunction on and off switch with a travel lock so that you don't run out of battery when you're on the go. It doesn't accidentally turn on there in your bag. Not that you would run out of battery, because get this, the 4.0 features a new wireless charging system that uses Whoa. electromagnetic induction, Whoa. which can help your battery last longer. So longer charge, shorter hairs. Ah. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes one through four. It's true, it's true, fellas. You gotta figure out which one's right for you because if you're like me and have a hairy tummy or everywhere else, you can't just go shorn have it look like a brush fire occurred in the middle of your body yeah this isn't a one-size-fits-all thing i go a little bit longer in the chest region mm -hmm. i go with it's the magnum is what i call it the magnum pi look but this also gives you the ability to turn the 4000k led spotlight on or off when needed for a more precise shave the other thing i gotta mention it here fellas if you've been using the same trimmer on your face that you do mm -hmm. on your nuts don't do that you are doing it all wrong. No one wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. That's disgusting. <laughs> it's time to get your own ball hair and body trimmer with Manscaped to make mm -hmm. me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice, smooth baby boys. Mm -hmm. And right now, Chris, our listeners can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. That's right, 20% off free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using promo code LASERTIME. One word, baby. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. I don't think y'all ready for this one. Queen B knockout collabo. If you don't know, I'm not your know. Working all day, and now it's on. Pull up and don't pay, and the line is long. Girls in the club, you want to ice grilling the studs. I want to thump. Is it good? Heading into 2001. It's a new decade, people. Get into it. It's 30, 2010. We're in a completely different decade. We skipped 10 years. It's like they never happened. And Ray J is on the charts with uh, featuring who? Can't read Lil right Kim. now. Lil Kim. Lil Kim. I haven't seen uh -huh. her in a while. She's still small. 
Teeny. Teeny Lil Always Kim. Always Lil. Lil Kim, this ain't a game. Off of this ain't a game. Uh, Wait a minute by Ray J. Featuring Lil Kim, this ain't a game. Um, that is out this week. In addition to... Wow, look at that! Oh, so close. Please, I don't want Sonic the Hedgehog to be the only coast-to-coast 30-2010 champion. Luther Vandross... I happen to know he's not going to make it to the 2011s, yeah. um, but he's got his 12th album out of uh, uh, 10 years to the day after his previous uh, our previous closer, which was just on the we charts. Have a, we have a whole pile of people doing two segments this week. Really? Yeah. We we got a bunch. We got, but yeah, I'll point them out as we hit them. Rocky by Basement Jacks. Uh, the Reason by Beanie Siegel. Life is Good by LF, LFO. Um, Jagged Little Thrill by Jagged Edge. Um, nice try, guys. Uh, based on a True Story by Lil Mo. And uh, Blowback by Tricky. Lady Marmalade is still number one by those four girls. And uh, the closest thing I could find to news, I just thought this was weird. People my age have to be sick of the moniker plus being added to companies' names and getting us to subscribe to them. PlayStation, Paramount, mountain of content. I'm not saying it again. Uh, And (laughs) Disney. But HBO renamed HBO 2 to HBO Plus after a little while, and this week it reverts to HBO 2, its original name. And I I don't know why. I'm like, yes. Yes, Mm. HBO 2 again. And like it matters to anybody under 30. (laughs) (laughs) Because it it makes it sound like now it would be legitimately confusing to call your HBO 2 HBO Plus. Because all it is is another HBO channel that plays things more randomly. Is it more confusing than having HBO Now and HBO (laughs) Go at the same time? Excuse me. Excuse me. What about HBO Zone? What about <laughs> who doesn't love HBO Zone? <laughs> At least I know what I'm getting with. I sorry, HBO I was Espanol. flipping through my dad's mm. cable the other day. I'm like, you're not paying for all this, are you? Holy shit! All they can do is show like five movies at once. This is such a waste of money, and it's like thirty five <laughs> bucks a month. Anyway, uh, HBO Two is it's back. That's all I'm saying. Um, a movie I think I almost saw the anniversary party. Um, but with Parker Posey, <laughs> we're going into movies of 2001, January 25th through June 1st, the anniversary party. I just, no, remember- <laughs> no, you just said January 25th through June 1st, Jan- <laughs> January 25th, uh, through July 1st, 2001. Did I do no. that right? June 25th. Jan Jun, we all say things differently here. I have no business at this post. I apologize. And clearly, I've started drinking the whiskey. Fine. Uh, The anniversary party coming. You ready for this? June 25th through July 1st. Yeah. Victory lap. Hold on. I'm going to run around the table real fast. Uh, The anniversary party is out, and it is a cavalcade of (laughs) Miramax focus feature stars. Indie darlings. Indie darlings. Mm -hmm. And I think. a lot more other people. Yeah, I I think I didn't even put Gwyneth Paltrow's in no. here, but Parker Jennifer Posey, Beale. Jane Adams, Jennifer Beale, John C. Riley, uh, Phoebe Cates, and Kevin Klein, actual spouses, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, and Alan Cumming, who also co-wrote and co-direct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. With J- oh yeah. So Jennifer Jason Lee and Alan Cumming do it together. Yes. Easy. Right and direct. Yes. Um, and it is, I feel bad that I could not get to this. I am very, very sorry. We had a lot of movies that needed watching. I loved it. Yeah. That's what a, a lot of the reviews were, were really good. A lot of them said, I want to see more stuff from Alan Cumming, mm-hmm. Jennifer Jason Lee directing, mm-hmm. uh, because it's about this couple that's like having, they're, they're both filmmakers or they're both in the industry and they're um, having problems and they're going to have this party and then everyone at the party also has a bunch of problems. And then it turns into like a, oh, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf free for all? 
<laughs> sort of. Yeah. I mean, like, so Alan Cumming plays an author and Jennifer Jason Lee is an actress. And um, it is a, definitely like one of those industry parties. They're celebrating their anniversary. Um, and they had previously had it does such a good job of like dropping you into the story where like, you know, they had some sort of issue before, but it doesn't really tell you everything, but you don't really know, need to know everything to know like what their dynamic is, which mm -hmm. I think is like very skillful. Um, and so, yeah, it's like people are just going off and having their own little fights and having their own little, you know, making up, making up fighting. Um, and the first pa part of the party is just like a regular grown up party where they're like laughing, they're playing charades, they're like eating and drinking. And sometimes it gets awkward, but it's mainly fun. Then they all take E yeah. and it becomes a whole different kind of party. <laughs> and you really start to see the cracks in some relationships and you really start to see some other relationships coalesce. And I don't know. I really enjoyed the crap out of it. I mean, it looks like you're watching half the time. It looks like you're watching like a handheld like uh, camcorder almost mm -hmm. because it's definitely very indie. It doesn't look great. Like as far as like, yeah, you well, know? I, I read they did it on digital video mostly for budget reasons mm -hmm. because they didn't have all the actors all together the whole time. Mm -hmm. they, they, it, there's only a couple days where they could shoot everyone together, and so. Mm -hmm. They're doing the, these side conversations, these little pick up this shot here, pick up. They're having to assemble it. Yeah. Uh, very like plan it out and assemble like, it. Very. Fuck your very lighting. <laughs> we yeah. got we got to get this now. Yeah. And it's definitely a case where they someone had a cool house. They were like, let us just like use this house for a couple <laughs> weeks and shoot this movie. Um, and yeah, I really loved it. I also though love that genre of like rich people being mean to each other, and mm. this is definitely that. Mm. Um, Alan Cumming. Well, we're halfway Jennifer, there. <laughs> Alan Cumming and Jennifer Jason Lee uh, have a really good intimacy on film. Like huh. surprising because mm. Alan Cumming, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. They're they're believable. Uh, they're a believable kind of couple. I really really enjoyed this movie. Hmm. Yeah, I saw most most reviews were saying like, I mean, it's it's kind of like a play. It's it's a bit, mm -hmm. you know, this easily could be a play. It's kind of stagey. And, the, you know, some of these problems, you can kind of see where they're coming or where they're going to go. But it's not as filled with cliches as one could expect that it's not just Hollywood people sniffing their own farts. True. And it's also one of those things, too, though, that like the kinds of problems that you anticipate that are kind of cliches are also like universal marriage problems that people have. Like, so there's a reason why you can kind of see these things coming because you've seen these parties before you've seen these couples in action, you know, mm -hmm. what's going on underneath the surface. So yeah, I really liked this quite a bit. Nice. And since I have nowhere else to say it, um, I had a real nice, uh, meet cute with Gwyneth Paltrow in a dream. We went out for two meals in a movie theater themed pet hotel and it w we had a great time, shared a kiss at the end of the evening and I cannot wait to fall asleep and meet her again. <laughs> it was Aww. so nice. And I have, yeah. I have never cared about her. I just, where did that come from brain? Holy shit. I haven't, Please, 30, 20, 10 fans, I have not been very kind to that woman on this show before. I do not carry a torch for this. Anyway, moving on to real things. <laughs> real yeah. things that are well, happening. I love that we mm. we have uh, we have some cult films this segment, but yes. we also have a bunch of films that it's like, it's, it's cliched, but it does what it does really well. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like the anniversary party is like, it's skirting its cliches, mm -hmm. but, you know, it's... 
it's doing what it does real well. And Crazy Beautiful, again, I feel bad I did not get to see it with Kirsten Dunst, Jay Hernandez, and Bruce Davison. I think every fucking, I must have read 10 reviews on this, and every single one of them said it's it's a cliched teen romance Mm -hmm. that somehow rises just above being stupid. Mm. That it's like the performances are good, uh, they know where the cliches are, and then they try to avoid making them too stupid. Because it's like Kirsten Dunst is the daughter of a representative and she gets with Jay Hernandez, who's like from the wrong side of the tracks. And she keeps acting out to like piss off her dad, Bruce Davison. And he really wants to go in the Navy. And the dad is like, I'll give you a recommendation for the Navy if you break it off with my daughter. And he's like, no, I care about her too much. And then she's like, I might be holding you back and my teen angst. And I'm like, oh, OK, mm-hmm. All right. again, I feel like I've seen this movie before, but I got to trust the critics on this one saying that like, no. But it's it's a good version of that. And and Kirsten Dunst generally makes pretty good choices. Yeah. Oh, she's on a roll right here, yeah. man. She's been in a bunch of good stuff. So, mm-hmm. yep. And then we get to Ginger Snaps. Which I loved. And <laughs> <laughs> Just because at this point, I feel like I hadn't seen a werewolf movie in years. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't like Underworld. So for, forgive me there. But yeah, maybe that wasn't even out yet. I don't remember. But like. There hadn't been a good werewolf movie in like eight years. And there hadn't been. And the, oh, Canada coming in to help us with Emily Perkins, Catherine Isabel, and Mimi Rogers. Yeah. I have been told for 20 fucking years oh, you're a feminist? Oh, you're interested in horror? You need to watch Ginger Snaps. And I finally did. Mm-hmm. And I am so glad. I was not prepared for how gory it was. Yeah. I was sold that it is a horror comedy, which it is for like 75%. Yeah. <laughs> then it gets very serious. <laughs> that it gets so gory Mm -hmm. but it's about these two teenage sisters who are outcast like gothy weirdos and then one of them gets bit and starts turning into a werewolf and it's all like a metaphor for puberty Mm -hmm. Ah! which just blows my mind it's like how has no one made that connection before between the lunar cycle of 28 days and a woman's cycle of 28 days i think i i want to say i want to say i don't know how they didn't because like most of the reason werewolf movies appeal to boys, men, and especially young kids is that uncontrollable rage you feel all the time. So like that uncontrollable rage you may uh, feel on a moon cycle. I know, I know, I know. It, it's, mm-hmm. it, it just seems like one of those no-brainers, but no, it took until 2001 for this wonderful team to think it up. And I remember this was movie was so hard for me to find, I had to watch it on VHS this year because I'm in a small town in Florida and it definitely didn't screen here. The DVD didn't come. I, I, I still don't think I've seen the movie in widescreen. I had to rent it no. and watch it twice, bring it over to people's houses who were looking to find ginger snaps. Cause it was that it was, yeah. it, it was kind of a big movie that year um, mm. for horror fans. Yeah. But I think it's on Tubi now with like, not just ads, but like the ad breaks got longer as you got to the end of the yes. movie. That, that was extra frustrating. Yes. Just like, Oh, come on, we're about to pay everything off. It's like, it's it was so interesting how, you know, the one sister turns on the other sister and it, there's a lot of body horror because like she starts growing a tail and her sister's <laughs> trying to like help her keep this under uh, under control because, you know, there's blood and hair where there wasn't hair before. And sure. she's starting to act out with boys and accuse her sister of like, you're just mad that I'm hot now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, there's so much about... like women puberty really close like sister like relationships like it it made me think of um 
I mean, I think a lot of things. I mean, besides like American Werewolf in London, which seems like that's pretty obvious, but Heavenly Creatures, like the super close relationship of two girls mm -hmm. and how they're like off in their own little world. Oh, damn. Yeah. I mean, major warning for how gory it gets, but this was <laughs> such a good watch. Okay, I have to give this another chance then because I was very excited to watch it and then I I think maybe I just was not in the right mood for it or whatever. It just did not grab me in the first half hour. It just well, and also there are dead it. dogs everywhere. And that was kind of turning me off a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's very yeah. obviously fake. So I mean like it, it wasn't, you know, especially brutal. But yeah, I just wasn't in the right place for it at the right time. But everything you're saying is a hundred percent in my wheelhouse. I mean, I refer to my menzies as my moon sickness. Mm. Like it <laughs> is a real thing. So yeah, yeah I, I would be into this. I just need to give it another chance, I think, probably. Yeah, I it's it it is really gory. The the makeup and the special effects are really, really good. But that does mean that you get to see a bunch of dead dogs because that's how it starts out as mm -hmm. pets getting mauled. Uh and that's that was really hard for me to watch. Yeah. And it's like after the first time you're like, oh no, oh not again, not again. How many dead dogs did you have to build? Oh my god. And this well, and I always dogs. love exploring female rage which is like a very real thing that i don't think we still have really reckoned with how angry we all are um mm -hmm. so yeah i'll give it another chance yeah, yeah it, was... it's, it's difficult to put into perspective but you know just i just remember cover the early days of films being covered on the internet this is a huge darling from the uh uh, mm -hmm. festival circuit and then mm -hmm. scarce avail availability and was so popular they filmed two the next two movies back to back yeah and mm -hmm. that didn't co that didn't turn out very well i didn't yeah i uh, especially don't care about a prequel which one of them one of them is right and, one of them is, it's an old timey prequel though yeah. just like i give okay it's a little something but yeah i mean it's definitely low budget and it's very very canadian uh, yeah, just like but we, we didn't we didn't get into this because we wanted to see you do something normal and formulaic. We wanted to see this interesting mashup that we'd never seen before with Ginger Snaps. And yeah, I'm not the authority. To, I'm neither the whore or the lady that should be speaking on this with any authority. But like at the time, I loved it. I thought it was super original, and yeah. uh, I'm I'm really glad it exists. I always think about it. But uh, yeah, I didn't like the second movie, and the third one was a prequel, and I didn't follow it. And that's sort of all we got. And well, it's a bummer. And I love the the combining of like horror and female friendships. Mm -hmm. So like I love Jennifer's body when we talked about it. And yes, that's what this reminded me of. Oh. Jennifer's body, I feel like ripped this off pretty hard. So, I got some real Jennifer's body vibe from this, which I absolutely yes. love. That's so also... weird. The Michael Grimm, friend of the show, messaged me this morning to say, bruh. Just saw Jennifer's body. You got to see this. <laughs> Just saying that very random, very random. So, yeah, I mean, I love Jennifer's body. And if you're also into that whole vibe of female friendship and horror, I absolutely implore you to read We Write Upon Sticks, which is a fantastic mm. horror movie about female or excuse me, horror book about female friendships. My favorite book that I read last year. And then also my best friend's uh, Exorcism by Grady Hendrix, both fantastic mm. books set in the 80s about female friendship and they are horror books. What more could you want? Mm. So good. What more I could I want? Um, an unappreciated comedy classic that I saw in theaters on day one. Um, I think uh, I, saw one it, guy, huh? I saw it with Sarah's husband who was confused. And I, I told them, <laughs> uh, this 
And, and oh god, it's just sorry. Uh, maybe we should just so, say what the movie is before we get into it. Robert Vaughn, <laughs> Robert Vaughn, Jennifer Coolidge, Chris Rock, Wanda Sykes. Um, still Wanda Sykes Hall, maybe at this point. I can't remember. Um, Lance Crowther um, and Pootie Tang. Pootie Tang. On June 29th, get that pony! Meet a superhero like no other. Put it down with your butt so bad that you can write it off on your taxes. Paramount Pictures presents, in association with MTV Films and Chris Rock Productions, Lance Crowther, Wanda Sykes, and Chris Rock. Daddy? You're damn right I'm your daddy. Booty Tag. Rated PG-13. Oh, it, it's... It, also, you can't forget J.B. Smoove. J.B. Smoove. Oh. I don't know when he was added, though. It has... It's so confusing because it, it should be the the Chris Rock show spinoff meets the Wire um, crossover that you want. Because <laughs> thank you, Poot, and uh, for being in the movie. But uh, uh, I was a huge fan of the Chris Rock show, and they introduce a character played by one of its writers, Lance Crowther, named Pootie Tang, which I thought was just this parody of if Prince was even more of a deity in the press. That's <laughs> that. But then I, I hear they're making a movie. I'm like, okay, that's weird, but fuck yeah. Because Lance Crowther is not an actor. He's a writer for almost everything Chris Rock has ever done. Um, and uh, I believe the story went, it was going to Paramount's indie label. And they're like, oh, but Chris Rock is going to be in the movie? We're going to move this over to a regular Paramount movie and put you under those standards. And the director and writer is, we have to say, is Louis C.K. Um, mm. Sorry if that bothers some people, but he is important to the story. Yeah. It's like the first means, movie that he directed. Again, if if you want to watch this and not give him money, steal it. Yeah. <laughs> or watch it on Netflix. I don't know that it directly benefits him at all. But it is on Netflix. Um, and not on Paramount Plus. <laughs> Shit heap of needles and uh, cyberpunk games of content. Uh, but yeah, it, it gets bumped up. And I can't see where that money goes other than the soundtrack. The soundtrack has like a bunch of money. A very expensive amount of 2001 hits. Uh, <laughs> but I just remember Louis C.K. didn't really talk about it until he like kind of did that two-part Mark Maron interview. And he talks about, yeah, the studio literally took it away from me, added a bunch of stuff I didn't like. And I wish they just, and I believe Roger Ebert said, this movie is unreleasable. And mm. Louis C.K. is like, he is right. Because the studio went and shot additional stuff. And like, yeah, so what? It was a failure. But now you poured a bunch of money into helping a failure and the movie is incredibly disjointed and weird and feels mm -hmm. almost like a sketch movie because there is no consistent through line to anything. It's, nah. it, it's, it's, it's this but randomness. It's a dolomite, yeah. a weird dolomite parody of a, yeah, it's kind of a black exploitation movie. I don't know why they would bother spending more money on it. Cause it only costs like seven, $8 million. And, you and really, it, did, I, I can't, it made like half of that back. I can't emphasize so this enough. No one saw this. You don't see any of it on screen. Like I don't know where the money went. No, yes, it, like, I really don't know. <laughs> Wild to me because yeah, I watched this. It's like a student film. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> it's a movie you make in the backyard with your friends. Everything is filmed in a backyard, I a back lot, it. or a parking lot. Yeah, it's it's yeah. difficult. It's difficult. I wish I loved it more, but like I was there in the beginning, like, and I still don't love Pootie Tang and know why the show is so obsessed with him. Um, but it is un undeniably silly. And now I, I watched My Name Is Dolomite. You know my uh, my quad annual viewing of that movie like two weeks ago so like this made all the sense to me now i didn't get that at the time really that it was a black exploitation yeah. parody i guess that that would definitely help mm. i mean it's it's kind of the 
the best that you can do when you spin off a character whose thing is that he's incomprehensible. Yes. Is you make a movie full of randomness for cheap and short. It's like 80 minutes long. So it's like you'd never have time to get annoyed because then it's just over. Yeah. And I I was resistant for a long time because critics hated it. I mean, Mm -hmm. they really, really hated it. And to know that there's studio tamperings, like, oh, I guess that makes some sense. I could only find it's 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 quite so random. JB JB Smooth's narration. JB Smooth's narration is added after the fact. That's a big deal, Uh, which dictates uh, the flow of the movie. And I just. Oh, they Blade Runnered him. In Louis C.K.'s defense, he's like, I wish they just would have released it, like, release the failure we made, and yeah. and then it can succeed. Maybe it'll live in cult status, but now it, like, kind of lives in cult status, but not good enough cult status, because it's incoherent and, and, like, not stupid good, like, studio bad. It is studio bad, mm-hmm. tampered bad. Like, we jump from one scene to another without, like, any explanation. Uh, we've jumped from, technically, there's, like, three movies going on in here, and they all kind of, like happen incongruously and it's not a big deal for a comedy that's just silly but like i don't know it means something to me i really like the chris rock show i wanted to see these guys movie and i and there's no deleted scenes you can look at or a commentary Mm -hmm. to figure out what's going on i mean i don't know though i i kind of disagree because i a i don't give a fuck what louis ck says and b (laughs) like i like how incomprehensible it is because it's about an incomprehensible main character (laughs) the movie is the main character it is incomprehensible and yet charming as fuck like the main (laughs) character you cannot understand him and yet he is charming the literal pants off of everyone like i kind of love it i think it I, i mean i know it's not cool to say that it was a good thing that the studio intervened and like made it Mm -hmm try to do something with it but from what you're saying like i'm not mad at the changes that it made i think it's a better movie for it probably because i question louis ck's taste and Mm. judgment (laughs) in pretty much everything at this point um and so yeah he's probably wrong about it and i'm sorry it does have major cult status and i don't think it would have been a bigger better movie i don't think it does i don't, I don't think it does because yeah, if it, if it, it does no i don't no, think it does, it does. I think it, is, I it was never going to be a mainstream hit there's no way even, even, you can take something this stupid which is just a cool guy who says things that make no sense mm-hmm. even it's if it's just even, he speaks in gibberish and everyone says that he's like the coolest guy in the world and he makes like psas for kids mm-hmm. and he's like super super famous yes. because he can whip yeah. anyone with his belt Yes, I love it. If if it <laughs> was, it. if it was truly, it no it's cult status because even Paramount doesn't really want you to see it, and that it, uh, if it was true cult status, like Office Space is a good example of that. Similar budget, similar director, coming off of a, a very successful TV show, a movie they buried, bombed at the box office. They'd give it another DVD release with like new new features or recut it together. Mm-hmm. That never happened for this movie. It never did. And it doesn't play on TV a lot. You have to go out of your way oh, to seek this so out. You just wanted to be a little you wanted to be a little bit cult status. No, no, no. But not really cult status. No, I, like, I, I, I mean, how cult do you want it? Like Office Space is a joke now because <laughs> everybody right. loves It's a mainstream movie. It's it's officially a mainstream so, like, movie. Mm-hmm. But I'm mean, using that as an example because well, I, I'm just, I'm, I, I'm really not trying to flex any nerd cred on you, Sarah. It's just that I, I grew up liking the Chris Rock show a lot. And every person in this movie is all a writer or an on-screen 
cast member, for lack of a better word. It's like if David Letterman got the David Letterman movie, you'd want to see Chris Elliott and, you know, uh, the Bud, Larry Bud Melman. This bad example. <laughs> but like Chris Rock show was a talk show, but it was an even better sketch show. And I really, mm-hmm. and I like, I really wanted to see Wanda Sykes do more. I really wanted to see Mario Joyner do more. He has the worst role in the whole movie. And he's one of the funniest people on the Chris Rock show. He's the guy who doesn't do jokes. Um, yeah. And it's also hot. And like, this isn't, I really would like you to see. <laughs> and JB Smoove, who is also on the show, I think at some point they had to like put him in most of the scenes and give him the narration because the studio didn't know how to make a billable comedy out of this. Sorry, some of that shit is really bad. it's comprehensible. It's a little bit more comprehensible now. I think that makes it even better, though. I vehemently disagree. The movie is not more comprehensible, and it is not funnier from those those scenes, but I don't exactly know what sequences those are. So I would be... I don't know what the product was before. I don't. So... I don't, but I, but I, I do know the output of that show and most of those writers very well. Uh, like mm-hmm. five seasons of their work, to be exact. So I do, I, I did have an expectation coming into this. So it like, it's odd. I love that show so much and don't like this movie. That hasn't really happened to me before. Because I'm. It's insane mm-hmm. that I'm the one defending this movie. I, I think, I, I, but I, I can th- think of some place it might have happened before. It's an interesting comparison with Run, Run, Runny Run, which I, I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you actually like Run, Runny Run. A lot of people don't. I think the people who made it don't like it. Uh, I don't think it yeah, helps with the people who like... made it shit on it every day. But uh, yeah. this one is sort of like they just threw up their hands of like, well, I guess the studio fucked with us. So what do you what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, it's still a mess that there was no way to not make it a mess. Yeah, because it's it was it's always it was always going to be to silly movie. And so I feel like, well, I guess the kind of this is the best you're going to do with this material. Yes. Yeah. I, I feel like I feel like there's I, random I swear... jokes in here that are good. I love Wanda Sykes in this movie Me so too. much. I want the character. I want the movie to be about her character. Yeah, true. Where uh, she just dresses very provocatively and dances on a corner and then gets I mad at people. Who, 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 who Todd Berry is driving for some reason? Really weird cameos Hello, in this Todd film. Barry. David Cross in blackface. That like this is still on Netflix for some reason. Um, <laughs> but but, but David Tell's far. biggest. Th- there's my evidence I had written down. David Tell is like fifth build in this movie and says three things and it's like the only movie he's ever been in he's i love david tell very very much i'm curious to see where his character went um because it, it, it exists only in like one scene of the movie and the rest of the, he's just standing there not saying anything um but he <laughs> something happened in this movie i don't know what exactly what it is i just wish it were sillier there's moments where like this is too silly to be a mainstream comedy and then some like real mainstream comedy moment will happen like literally a pie in the face will happen and like why is this what the fuck this isn't the silly we were doing 2 seconds ago and- i i feel like you are having very specific criticisms Yes. Because you don't want to like it. Like, honestly. No, no, no. Like, hold, hold on, hold on. I don't <laughs> like it. I never said enough. I liked it. I said I don't like it. I do not I like know. this movie. I know. I know. You're trying and not to like it very hard. I saw it in theaters. <laughs> what mean, are you talking you about? You didn't like it at that point. I'm not insulting I... you, milady. This is just a, a, a <laughs> band of people who I already <laughs> like. tip your fedora was, to me. My fedora is on the floor right now. My cat is gnawing at it. But if you really need to I'm see it. I'm just saying that. Maybe explore. <laughs> he has a real fedora. Really <laughs> 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 no. Oh, I might have to leave now. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just like saying 
maybe when you're doing your daily meditation, maybe a good thought to explore is, do you not like this because Louis C.K. told you not to? No, 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 no. It's not. I swear it's not that because I didn't know who he was when I saw the movie. I didn't. I mean, I, I did because like. Uh, the, I thought you said you knew all of the I did. Chris Rock mm. season. I did, but he, but he, but he, but he wasn't, well. he was not the Louis C.K. Like, I mean, I'm saying pre-incident that he would be known as he was a he was a writer on Conan and there's a lot like there's a ton of Conan people in here too because like a lot of these are Conan writers all Chris a lot of Chris Rock's show writers were white guys who had HBO specials the the week before like Jeff Stilson and (laughs) uh and Louis CK but like I didn't really know it wasn't about championing him it's just like why isn't this weirder because the the show was weird and Mm. uh uh, yeah, it never gelled. Correct. And again, I'm watching this with my girlfriend who grew up loving it. She loves the movie. And I, I didn't, I, I sort of Christ, I didn't have a bad time. I'm just more curious about the what, what might have been. And it, sadly, the person mm-hmm. who has the most answers to that, I don't particularly want to hear from again. And mm-hmm. so I'm with you there. I, I'm not taking his word for it, but no, the movie doesn't work for me It does uh, that much. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, this cannot be the movie. Surprisingly, <laughs> it worked for me so well. Like I went into this <laughs> good. knowing it's a cultural artifact that I have always been curious about because one of my favorite public people, mm-hmm. Jesse Thorne, uh, routinely champions this movie, and mm-hmm. I never saw it. And so I was like, "All right, now's the time for me to watch it." And I was absolutely charmed by it. I really was. <laughs> like I just like I I really enjoyed it. I, I mean, I didn't laugh out loud like as much as I did for Naked Gun two and a half, right. but I really just thought it was fun and charming and very and very sweet in a lot of ways that I didn't yeah. expect. Which sometimes, yeah, I'm into that. And then man. sometimes takes like real deliberate weird choices, having his dad be killed by a gorilla in a factory that is clearly a man <laughs> in a costume. Yes, <laughs> it's, yeah, and it's like and it's like the third time the that's third happened. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, kind of, that's all the stuff I like. Just just happens. Yeah. Here's my question for the internet: Did any like awful sketch? factory like college humor or something like that did they ever put together a sketch where Pootie tang and nell fell in love because <laughs> i'm burning that idea right now just in case anyone wants to do that don't okay <laughs> the jody foster character oh tip yes. yes sorry i'm getting it i'm getting it now oh i had to think for a second um definitely not very, two very niche movies <laughs> yeah and i also think it's like very niche it's it's operating on the idea that people have heard of this character before the show had like a sketch every two weeks of this character and i just no one knew who it was i remember when i was like does anybody want to go see the pootie tang movie like what the fuck is pootie what? Tang? Mm. yeah um and yeah i got this it, is this is why I can't deal with you hipsters, man. No, no, Nobody no. Nobody no. likes the things that we like, but when people <laughs> like it, I hate it. That is not what I said. It's just a bad movie. Um, but it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting failure, uh, mm-hmm. deserving of cult status for sure. Um, yep. But but I don't know. Like uh, I like Freddie got fingered was just like that was what like I'm entranced by this failure. This was more like this feels icky and tampered with and gross. And, mm. and doesn't work. At least Freddy Got Fingered like clearly wasn't tampered with and was released as the original vision, which I respect yeah. in its madness. We have too many more movies to talk about this break. I wonder why. Because um, uh, I'm a secret Louis C.K. stan and I want everyone to know it. I'm just saying like the two stars might have something to do with it. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. What, Chris Rock? Or, or I'm a Lance Carruther fan. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just want the I, best. One. I have to. I have to admit that I am terrified of ever going to a stand-up show again because I am cursed. The last stand-up show I went to was Louis C.K. before the unpleasantness, mm-hmm. and before that was Bill Cosby. <gasps> Girl, 
girl. So you don't yeah. go to a lot of stand-up then. <laughs> now, before that was Aisha Tyler. So everyone oh, keep okay. your eye on her. Okay. I think she's okay. She's done something because yeah. I'm cursed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Bill Cosby is the one I feel the worst about because I had the access to that information and I did not know. <sighs> I did have okay. that information. Hannibal showed us all the light. It's yeah. Good. Thank you. And um, man, moving on to the next film. Okay. I, I feel, I don't even know where to start with this because this was a discovery for me. Like yeah. I'd heard of this movie. I heard it was good. I watched it. I loved it. And I want everyone to watch it. The debut of Taraji P. Hansen mm-hmm. and Tyrese Gibson plus well, Ving Rhames and Snoop Dogg. Tyrese, John Singleton I realize I realized when researching this is the debut of Tyrese Gibson. It is not the debut of Tyrese, model, Tyrese. singer, and MTV VJ, because I was very familiar with him, and I I realize I've continued to call him that despite him not going by that for like twenty years. And mm-hmm. Benny Hanna uh, Haver in the back of his yard. <laughs> yes, he has a he has a Benny Hanna setup in his backyard. I so because of his truly fa- living the American dream. Because of his fast money, I will never be surprised by what's in his backyard. It is it is a ball pit made of Faberge eggs. Love and, it. <laughs> <laughs> he but, deserves all the good things. Give it to him. But I don't know if it, uh, what it, what it was billed as was John Singleton's follow up to Boys in the Hood because of right. the, the where it took place, and that's why me and my friends got excited for Baby Boy. Uh, be Henshin, Ving Rhames, uh, Snoop Dogg, and Tyrese Gibson is his last name. Yes, uh, Baby Boy. We're gonna always be together. I love you, boy. You my girl. Don't be calling my house asking to speak to my woman no more. Live to come through with all his homies and shoot me, my girl, and my baby. What's happening, baby? I'm home. Tony! Ain't no killer. I love you, girl. I'm gonna change the game. Stay up, baby boy. Baby boy. Rated R. <laughs> Rated R. Yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, I love that we're talking about Boys in the Hood in a week or two Mm -hmm. for 1991. And yeah, John Singleton had a strange career where it just bounced around all over. I mean, he started real, real young. He was like 24 when Boys in the Hood came out Mm -hmm. in 91. And then he did Poetic Justice, which seemed like a good follow up. And then he did Higher Learning and Rosewood, which are both interesting but not great and then he did shaft which is a big commercial one and then he comes back to the hood with baby boy and i find him so interesting because he's so he's so much like spike lee in that he always has a point Mm -hmm. and always tries to shove a lot into his movies and they're not exactly subtle but they don't also hit you over the head. Oh my God. Higher learning in particular. Holy Higher shit. learning tries Good to cover Lord. like every issue that yeah. every young person has ever faced in the universe. I, I remember everyone turns on the Nazi in that movie and he just yells, it hurts. It hurts. <laughs> like calm down Nazi. Right. Um. <laughs> like, yeah. But baby boy, I love it. He, he narrows his focus, but his focus is still freaking gigantic, mm-hmm. which is <laughs> about the infantilization of black men. Mm-hmm. Um, by which I mean all these black men never growing up and, mm-hmm. and never taking the responsibilities and the women in their lives just sort of letting them do that, which I was a little worried about because, I mean, he says that like the first line in the movie is pretty much that. Yeah, but it's, it was that as the idea. But then I was like, oh, God, this is going to be like, pull your pants up and right. get a job. And yeah. it totally is not. Thank you, God. Uh, but I, yeah, I think the point extends for because I'm the age, I think, of the character in this movie. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it was something being said about everyone my age. It's something being said about every young person now, how they're they're too young for their age. When I was this age, I had a full-time job and I owned a house. I'm like, I'm surprised you don't see anything wrong with that sentence. Yes, um, houses cost 50 cents. Yes, <laughs> houses cost yeah. 50 cents. My college loans were paid off while I slept. Um, that... <laughs> Yeah, I don't get it. Like he's he's running around, you know, he's got two different baby mamas. He's lying to both of them. Uh, He still lives at home instead of like committing to one of them. He comes up with ideas for making money, but it never gets anywhere. And he's also like protective of his mom dating Ving Rhames because, you know, her choices aren't so great. She looks like three years older than him. <laughs> his, <laughs> her mom, his mom is super young. And then one of his baby mamas, Taraji P. Henson, has Snoop Dogg, who's just released, recently released Convict, moved in with her. Mm-hmm. And Snoop Dogg is not the huggable, lovable Snoop Dogg that you are used to seeing. He's not Martha Stewart's best friend. No, no. <laughs> he's very, very good. And he's like, he's charming, but he becomes very menacing. And finally, like Tyrese has to start taking some responsibilities in his life. And it's it's a really good character study. It's really like specific to a time and a place. Like it really felt like I was just hanging out in L.A. on someone's stoop. Um, but they didn't know how to sell this movie because it's yeah. not really a gang movie. Yep. It's kind of a coming of age movie. And so when I was trying to find an ad to pull for this, I found this ad, which makes you think it's barbershop. <laughs> These are all scenes in the movie, so they're there, but that's mildly out of concept. That jaunty soundtrack. Oh, and that Don Love. Every brother knows. Am I right, engineers? Uh, Oh (laughs) man, I know. Like, and there's plenty of comedy in the movie. It's not just like a depressing slog. No, Ving Rhames is hilarious. It's yeah. It's it's very pleasant. It's very interesting. It moves along really fast. Uh, I kind of i don't know why it's just falling off people's radar Mm. yeah i thought baby boy was great uh but no it is it's not friday oh my god yikes i i remember i had the worst first screening of this uh going back i worked at suncoast in the mall and they were very remember i said that thing about shrek they'd only allow us to like um uh show Mm -hmm. certain movies that like the studio said yes you can screen this and they have to be under pg and the manager's like, just show Shrek over and over again. Then one day he bounced a check and I had to buy him lunch. He's like, look, man, just play whatever you want to watch. And this happened more than once. So thank you, Kurt. Manager Kurt. God it had no idea. Couldn't pay couldn't pay for his lunch one day. So I get to watch Baby Boy inside of the Sun Coast. And because of the nature of it, which it's not terrible, like I guess there's language in it, but he'd like, customer, just pause, just pause until we figure out who they are and what they're about and pause the movie. So I over the course of four hours, I watched this movie pausing for like children and families who come in, who come in Suncoast. A terrible way to watch this film, by the way. I saw it again afterwards, but it's still like, I'll never forget that fucking, the worst screening I've ever had of a, of a film in my life. Do you, do you think that the reason that they, that John Singleton and Spike Lee are specifically like known for stuffing so many issues into one movie is because traditionally the opportunities given to black filmmakers have been so much less than that they feel like they have to like really like 
get out as much as they can just in case mm-hmm. like if, the next opportunity is not if i if i had to, if them. i had to guess i, I would not yeah, that would not surprise me. It's like yeah. I gotta, I gotta make this, and I gotta make sure everyone gets what I'm saying. But it's like both of them not big on subtlety, but also yeah. they don't fall into like big melodramatic tropes to really right. like punch you over the head with their message. It's like this one; they literally he gives you a thesis statement, and then the movie goes. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I, John Singel, he was a more kind of a mainstream director, and you can mm-hmm. sort of see him taking on Spike Lee would sort of shepherd his own projects into existence. And I believe he said that if yeah. they seem so messagey, that's because things kept happening while I was making it. And yeah. I and felt Absolutely. like they needed to be addressed. And his movies have become some of the most current films you'll ever see. They'll be addressing yeah. things from like mm-hmm. three months ago. Uh, yeah. But, but singles. Well, and yeah. Made... I mean, something like black Klansman, like it has a very clear point, mm-hmm. but no one stands up and says the point to you. Yes. Also to tie everything together. The next movie John Singleton makes is too fast, too furious. Yes. <laughs> yes. Cool. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. And... I, oh, I can't wait to rewatch boys in the hood. That is going to be a very interesting. One of my favorite movies of all time. It's 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 wonderful. It's damn good, but it's been a long time since I watched it. Uh, not me. Same with the next one. Yeah. Oof. What's uh, that say about the next one? Oof. Uh, quite possibly the greatest collaboration of directors of the modern century. Uh, uh, I'm saying great, uh, the the biggest directors ever. Not necessarily the greatest uh, output, but. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I, ooh, I cannot wait to see what you guys think of it. It's Sam Robards, Francis O'Connor, William Hurt, Jude Law, and Haley Joel Osment. Number one of the box office this week. Wow, that's surprising. Uh, AI colon artificial intelligence. His name is David. In a distant future, in an age of intelligent machines, he is the first robotic child programmed to love. His is a tale of a journey to find his place among humans and machines. You're a machine. I'm a boy. His love is real, but he is not. I can finally stop laughing about that because no one will get it when you say it now. (laughs) But I've had a great time saying it over the last 20 years. Okay, um, first of all, this movie, seeing this movie in the movie theater was the site of one of most my most embarrassing moments oh, of my life. Oh, please. Where I, we watched the trailers. I was with my best friend, Michelle. We were watching the trailers, and then, because the trailers are my favorite part, right before I was like, okay, now the trailers are done. I'm going to go get some popcorn. I'll be right back. And I was coming back, and it was just starting. And as I was running up the steps, I fell in my popcorn flew up in the air and I fell so loud down the stairs like I was running up them and I fell back down them with uh, my popcorn oh. fully flying in the air like a fucking cartoon. Just a Tasmanian devil in a poodle skirt is all I'm imagining right now. I, mean, I don't know what decade this is. Yes, it was 1952 <laughs> so you are right. It was at a drive-in right outside yes. an Edsel. Absolutely. Um, I'm elderly. Uh this, well, this movie gave me an embarrassing moment, and there's a scene where I sobbed so hard I realized I probably need to go to therapy for some things. Okay. Oh, honey. I'm having yeah. a difficult time imagining what's, being a, what's... That ended up being a good thing. Yeah. I, I'm, I really have a difficult time imagining what scene that could have been. It, <sighs> yeah. You don't well, have to tell me. Well, let's talk about it. Um, <laughs> so, the backstory on this movie. Is this the movie that killed Kubrick? Um, <laughs> kinda. Well, <laughs> no. In a way, I mean, Kubrick. He'd been working on this since the seventies. He'd been working on a lot of movies, though. So yeah. it was sort of his process. He, the, he licensed. He. 
optioned this movie the year after the short story Summer Toys Last. What is it? Super Toys Last All Summer. It's a great title. Mm-hmm. Um, a year a- yeah. like a year after it was written in 1969, and then worked on it slowly ever since. What what, what I think is well, Diana, you can explain more on the history. All right. So yeah. So Kubrick's Kubrick kicking around it. this idea. Um, one of the things that he was very specific about was like, he didn't think that a child actor could do what needed to be done and that there would be a lot of special effects. So he started working with Spielberg because Spielberg is good with child actors and special effects. And I think he started talking to Spielberg. Spielberg dates it like in the mid nineties, I would guess like 91 to 95. He's got ET and I'm trying to think of the other movie I had written down, but like, but basically like this is the genre we're going because the short story is about nothing. It's about the mm. first ten minutes of the movie, first forty yeah. minutes of the movie. Yeah. That's yeah. where the short story stops, and he enhances yeah. it to this the level we see in this movie. Yeah, and so he uh, Kubrick is like working on it. He goes, he does Eyes Wide Shut, which takes like eighty seven years, years. <laughs> to film, and he's like, oh, maybe Spielberg should direct this. And Spielberg's like, no, I shouldn't. What do you? This is totally Kubrick stuff. Like, I mean, you love well, he stuff he said about that. science fiction. I mean, come on, there's like. A lot of stuff from 2001 is like similar to what at, at one into at here. one point Kubrick pitched like you you direct this and I'll produce this because he'd been working he wanted to see this Kubrick liked the story well I think the funny part about it is is that both of them didn't want to make this movie at all ever <laughs> they both turned it down for everything else that ever happened and. Spielberg, I think, as a courtesy to a man, from what I've read, doesn't even sound like they're like great friends. Just Kubrick just respects the hell out of the guy, wants him to love him very much, but Kubrick probably hates most of the things Spielberg does. Well, that's and, that's why it's such a bizarre combination, is because like Spielberg is so good with emotion and making an audience feel particular emotions, mm-hmm. and Kubrick is the opposite mm-hmm. of that. He is so many of his movies seem to be about, I do not understand emotions. Yeah, I'm going to do something to extreme and you guys figure yeah. out what, like how you feel about this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm kind of convinced that if he were younger now, Kubrick would be diagnosed on, on the spectrum uh, when it comes to autism, mm-hmm. because it seems like he was not great with human interactions and he was not great with emotions. And the fact but that still like, fascinated he spent so by much them. of his, yeah, he's fascinated <laughs> by them and, and it, it ends up in his art. And I think mm-hmm. that's cool. And I'm glad that I'm kind of glad we can't diagnose him because he's dead. So we can't just like write off all his work as being like, Oh, that's because of blank, blank, blank. It's like, yeah. And you also no, can't stop him from differences. It's because he's a fucking artist. <laughs> you wouldn't allow him to make a film after a treatment of Shelley Duvall. So he wouldn't have yeah. had any idea what this looked like. Uh, that's true. So yeah. So Kubrick died in 99 and uh, Spielberg decided I'm going to make this. I'm we going to write this. my he first screenplay since uh, Close Encounters 20 years yeah, ago. He, he co-writes the screenplay. Going from all of Kubrick's notes and everything that Kubrick had, I'm going to make it like he wanted to. And this causes one major confusing thing, because this movie seems to have a natural ending. Mm-hmm. And then it keeps going, and then there's mm-hmm. a happy ending. And everyone threw up their hands and said, fucking Spielberg. Spielberg! What the fuck are you doing? You got to give the kid a happy ending. Oh, you're so treacly and dumb. And it's like, that was Kubrick. Spielberg didn't want to do that. Yep. Hmm. It was That's... actually Kubrick that wanted to have this like redeeming happy ending. This, I remember that my favorite Spielberg interview, and I'm sort of mad at him now, and the DVDs are gone. He ne- he never did a commentary. He said, I'll never do a commentary. I want my film to speak for, speak for itself. But he also makes a ton of money off DVDs. So he's like, I'll do special features. There's a great two-disc special feature with him talking longer than the movie about the movie. So 
that's 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 fun. But he also did eventually reveal, like, yeah, everything everything everyone gives me shit for in AI was in Kubrick's. Like, he had the beginning and the end. I made the weird shit in the middle, the flesh fair, mm-hmm. and yes, all that very very strange stuff in the middle. And I love this movie. <laughs> I th- what? Yeah, I think wow. it's great. I I I'm like mm-hmm. you with Rocketeer, where it's like. I, f- I find this movie fascinating yeah. and it brings up so many interesting philosophical things, but like there is like one thing missing that makes me, stops me from loving it, but I'm so interested by it. Like I have to recommend it, even if you're now like, oh, I saw that and it was dumb. And what was with the aliens at the end? This is stupid. It's like, they're, it's they're, worth a rewatch. They're, they're not aliens. They're just I know. Advanced, it turns out they're not aliens. They're advanced robots. From, well, no from one Earth. explains that. It's, I, yeah, I remember watching it when it came out in the theater. It my aforementioned problem that I had in the theater. Poodle skirt popcorn got it. <laughs> popcorn flying out of the way. So I might have been hungry when I watched it, but I uh, did not enjoy. And then went back and rewatched it again in preparation for today and was bummed the fuck out. Oh, yeah. This movie is a huge fucking bummer. I, w- I, I wish I had could oh, record. So I wish I could record it. I watched it with my girlfriend in the second directed by Steven Spielberg's hit. I'm like wiping away tears, and she's just like, "That was stupid." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I mean, I kind of well, a it's giving me, of course, such Minority Report vibes. It's yeah, his next film, real hard, mm-hmm. which is yeah, the next, next film. film. Yeah, exactly. They, so, they make a good double feature. A hundred percent. But I do think that this movie thinks that it's deeper than it actually is in Minority Mm. Report is actually a much deeper film. Mm. And I I mean, we're not comparing the two. Like, it's fine. They're different. But like, yeah. I agree. But hold on. But but go back. Let's go back. And the the title is stupid. And it's AI colon artificial intelligence because they didn't want people calling it the steak sauce movie. And mm-hmm. and that's the true thing. Uh, oh, because, what? Really? <laughs> yes. So yeah, funny. yeah, yeah. Because they read it like A1. Uh, but, AI colon artificial intelligence feels like I'm going into like one of those things in Epcot where yes. it's not a ride. Yes. It's just like a. <laughs> yeah, where, where, where Martin like, Short is playing a, a, like a, a piece of your brainstem. In yeah, exactly. Three, three exactly. That's uh, I know what the title feels like. Uh, I'll tell you why I love it. And like, um, I don't know what my favorite young, I love Haley Joel Osment now. Mm-hmm. He's come yeah. out of child acting and makes great choices. And it's really mm-hmm. fun to see him show up in fucking everything. And he's always really funny or even really like really impactful as a, as an adult. And he had, a, but he also had a really strong showing of young performances. I mean, he really did. He gads. He does six cents in this. Yeah. I mean, even, even acting he, in this, he's not terrible unreal. and pay it forward. Pay it forward is Literally. just terrible. But his his performance yeah. in this is amazing. Like obviously yes. Spielberg is telling him to not blink, to feel weirder, and and he does. But you still feel for this robot. But I I, I do encourage you. We don't talk a lot about AI anymore, but we talk about algorithms more than we talk mm-hmm. about AI, and those are the part of the same conversation. Mm-hmm. And there is mm-hmm. like. The the question is hit in the beginning of William Hurt's class. Like, is there is is there something we're not anticipating about making a robot capable of loving someone? Does the owner of this robot owe any love back to it? And they're like, huh. Now let's not think about it. Love isn't tied up with jealousy or pettiness or violence. That sh- that'll never happen if we make the perfect loving robot. And they just don't think about it. And it's sort of how we build algorithms now to build. YouTube algorithms to make what people like, but we end up <laughs> making new pedophiles <laughs> as mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the thing. It's like all good science fiction. It's actually about something else. Yeah. We, we haven't even really explained the plot, but Haley Joel Osment is yes. a robot that is Program. adopted, bought, bought by mm -hmm. this couple because they're, their kid is sick. He's like in a coma. And so it's kind of a replacement child to make things easier for them, you know, because their lives are slightly not as different now. Like that actually makes some sense. It, it, but then the kid wakes up and is jealous of the robot child and the robot child doesn't uh, like can't interact the same. And, but the parents, but the robot the child, option. the robot child is jealous of the other child um, too. The other, but also, I mean, the critical thing is that they make the decision to have to program the robot child to love them back. Yes. To imprint. It's such, but it's yeah. such a bizarre choice because the idea, like if you lose a child, which is an unimaginable tragedy. And in this movie, like they haven't completely lost their child, but their child is lost to them. Like yep. he mm -hmm. is in a coma. It is not, he, they don't think he's ever going to wake up from it. In, in, in the book, in the yeah. book, it's because the couple is not licensed to make a child, which is mentioned in the beginning of the movie. You cannot just have a child. Okay, you have to be licensed That's to have a child. Out, like, no, it's it's in the, it's in the opening because... narration on the waves, but like the whole book is just like. That David discovers he's a surrogate while a child is waiting to come. That's, and that's not, the whole, that's it. The that's idea, all there is. Like, it, it definitely leaves you thinking like, why doesn't this couple just have another child? And it also is like weird. And maybe this is the point. Maybe I'm just hugely missing the point. The idea of like having another child when you have a child that you've lost is not so you can have like another warm body in the house that you have to take care of. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a little it silly. is to make another love, like another thing out of an act, like out of love with your partner. Like, so. But I, I, I agree with you. I, don't the, even get the I agree with you. The, the, the premise like, no, is I, I, the, the premise I mean, is silly, but neither saying. neither person really commits to the idea at all. Yeah. Well, like in, in a very basic way, I understand the idea because like when you have, if you have a kid, there's a whole, you're, so much of your time is taken up with the kid. There's a whole mm -hmm. routine around taking care of the kid, feeding the kid, you know, going out to play, doing stuff and the, like the love you give them and then the love they give you back. And it's like, if that's suddenly taken away, you know, that's really traumatic. Like if you, you've, I mean, it's a dumb comparison, but like if you've ever had a pet mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you're used to taking the dog out for a walk every day and then when the dog dies, there's like a hole, you know, it's right. everything's been upended besides the emotional, just the practical has been upended. And so like they're trying this as or how there's a cat a beneath me right now licking my feet because no one has fed it. And I need to text my girlfriend, <laughs> please fucking feed the cats because it's annoying the shitter to me. And if she wasn't doing this, I would be upset. I would right. be wondering and then my the idea is. of like somewhere for the love to go and like, you know, to ease them into you know, the reality of not having their kid around, I guess that's part of it. But then, yeah, the, the, also, kid, the also, robot kid. also remember it's an experimental program. David is the only thing that exists. This is the first experiment of its kind. Right. Right. Even though there's robots around, but not with these levels of emotions. People at the flesh fair, and like then, we've never seen a child before. No one's made a child robot. Yeah. And then, but then the robot kid and the real kid get into conflict in ways that make total sense Fuck for yeah, kids. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. And, um, and they decide we need to get rid of the robot kid. And we should just decommission him. And that's when a war crime happens. Right. And the thing that makes me, that made me sob so much that I realized I might have mother issues and I maybe should talk to someone about them. Instead of giving him a quiet, simple death, she, the mom dumps him out in the woods like he is a dog. Yeah, he goes to dog camp. 
And Why? <laughs> like, like he'll that be happier. So like he'll be happy. Oh no, he'll be better out in the woods. Like you just killed that dog. I think you, you just I made think... that dog starve to death, and you're he's gonna die. You worse than that because you put a forever child out in the world. Yeah. Like. But also not a child. A dog can take care of itself. But. Yeah. But also, not, and, and that's that's where, what I think. That's what I think the movie is. Imagine if you program the Terminator to not be angry, but to love Sarah Connor. And Sarah Connor doesn't <laughs> love him back. And everyone he's looking at with red, is that Sarah Connor must not love this person, but need love so bad, must pursue love all day long. Yeah. I, <laughs> and that's when it becomes- Love Pinocchio. your accent, spot on. Thank you very, Haley Joel Osment. No notes. <laughs> yeah, where it's like so, so much of the rest of the movie is Pinocchio. It's yes. about him and that's, that's, trying it, to become a real little boy so his mom will no, love no, no, him but back. No, 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 but the movie is exactly Pinocchio. It is, yeah. it is written in short story verse as if it's being submitted to Harper's uh, and then struck, stitched together in a movie. Pinocchio is one of my favorite movies the ever. Blue fairies at the end. No, no, no. But, yeah. but the movie is structured like Pinocchio too, because Pinocchio mm-hmm. ends up on a search for his father after being intervened by these interesting characters throughout the film. One, almost all of which involve people trying to use him, abuse him, literally a carnival, and then ends mm-hmm. up in the ocean. Um, and then with Monstro after looking yeah. for it. So it's it's all Pinocchio. It is a fucking awesome. We said that the other week. You don't need to remake Robin Hood. You don't need to remake Pinocchio. This is an interesting remake of Pinocchio that acknowledges Pinocchio. And that's why I love it. But, that might yeah, be reason but number I mean, one. For for the philosophical stuff, like obviously there's like, can you make it do robots have the same rights as humans? But there's like, what responsibility do we have to the people yes. who love us? What responsibilities do they have to us? Um, what responsibilities do we have to the things that we make? You don't need to change to get the love that you deserve. Uh, I mean, that's just kind of the surface level stuff. And then there's all kinds of stuff. With, yeah, the the fair where people, you know, the demolition derby with robots or people cheer them being destroyed. Mm-hmm. Or Jude Law is, you know, the Gigolo Joe, the, the sex robot. <laughs> and Chris Rock is a cannon robot. Is <laughs> framed, framed for murder because you could do that then. Yeah, if you have robots that you treat as second-class citizens, then... Yeah, just make him fall. And, guys and, and how and how how fast he knows that like I've already been told not to run around tonight. There's a flesh fair in town, um, and I have to. I know how quickly this is going to be pinned on me, and I'm going to be murdered. I I just need mm-hmm. to run and take my chip out. I love I love this movie. I really do. I, I guess though, like it, it brings up like a lot of issues with artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. but I feel like generally the gist behind the movie is like. Isn't this fucked up? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> that's not really like But but let, let me posit like, this. Let me posit really like a deep exploration. Let me like posit this unintellectual. Let me posit this unintellectual thought. Because you're you're saying AI and you're not saying algorithm. So right now your Facebook is tailored to find things that you like. It's not it's not necessarily tailored to make you like Facebook, but it will be. It will be tailored. No, it already is. It, it already is. It, it will is be tailored like a. Um, it will change its. Machine. It will change its appearance to make you like it even more. To make you possibly yes. even love I it. I know, I but know. like we we, don't, we think of AI as separate from algorithms, but they're not. They're, they're not, and we're, we're we are getting there. And I will. And another thing, I think we, we I can get some appreciation with you guys. It's depiction of the future is one of the like. Good for you guys. That is yeah. pretty much how things look right now. Uh, that does not look embarrassing, even slightly. Not an embarrassing device really? in the bunch. The car, the car, maybe, but like, uh, mm. but there, there, a lot of I smart can see cars. Tesla out, doing something like yeah, that. Yeah, a lot of smart cars yeah. out west. Um, but but the house and the the furniture. Yeah. 
that's pretty much how somebody makes a show set in Silicon Valley. That's how everything looks right now. True. And uh, True. I thought I thought that was really neat. I think it's a great modern day telling of Pinocchio. Its ending confuses the shitter to me. Still. Yeah. Yeah. I. The, I. I feel like the natural ending is he finds the blue fairy, and that is like a statement on religion. In that, like he's I, just constantly staring at the blue fairy for like a thousand million years, <laughs> asking it for this one thing that he wants, and the blue fairy says nothing. Yeah, and he might. Like, that he, sounds like religion to me, baby. And he, Whoa. yeah, or, or, or all of us. I love the I love the line in the movie, like the uh, the humans built us, but they're obsessed with who built them. They're way more obsessed with who built them. Yeah, and, I just, I mean, uh, yeah, also the idea of the you know any sort of AI cannot be perfect because it is built by humans and humans are imperfect. So they will have all of our stupid flaws. And yeah, YouTube, you like cooking videos, and the next thing you know, you know, COVID's a hoax. <laughs> <laughs> And, and what, so, the, so there's something I realize I impress on this movie that isn't there, that isn't mm-hmm. there at all. Because like, um, I don't know how clear they are about like they're not aliens; they're evolved machines from Earth yeah, made by the humans. Things at the end, yeah. And when they're looking at David, they're not like looking at him through cameras; they're looking at him on a small spinning disc that looks like it's being written like a hard drive. So I'm mm-hmm. assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming this is happening somewhere in VR. Um, but they're also like, we can only rebuild your mother from Jurassic Park DNA for one day. And I'm yeah. like, that makes no fucking sense in the universe at all. Um, you can rebuild her and you can make a virtual version of her. In the, but I feel like that's sort of what they're doing, allowing David to reach some sort of death or dream state uh, mm. through one day of happiness. That David doesn't yearn one more day after the end of the movie. And that I hmm. doesn't, doesn't, it feels like that even though it doesn't make a ton of sense. But that David doesn't yeah. want at all after so it has a happy really dark ending because i'm looking at this and i just in my notes i'm like this is kids are allowed to watch this but no one should let a kid watch this everything (laughs) wrong with pinocchio happens every seven seconds in this movie and it's not Mm -hmm. entirely objectionable because trust me kubrick's script had a lot more gigolo joe fucking in it and Mm. (laughs) spielberg tossed that to the wind but Mm. uh i I love this movie i think it's it's great and it's uh again (laughs) There's tons of CG in it, but there's tons of really good practical effects. And that Teddy robot, if you, uh, I, I was happy, I'm happy to report. I always say if you find a physical disc of something, a movie you like, pick it up because you might not be able to preserve those special features. AI had a second disc of like three hours of great special features, and they're all on YouTube. But oh, Stan Winston geez. Studios talks about like, this bear was harder to build than any fucking dinosaur or shark. Uh, this is a very, like there are seven puppeteers for this bear at all times. The bear is usually there giving real facial expressions and talking in person to David at all times. I love Teddy as a character. Yeah. And, cool character. and, and it's, it has all these things I think great movies should do and have moments, uh, visual moments you'll never forget. You'll never forget the moon coming up over those robots mm. played by real amputees trying to find parts for themselves. It's fucking dope. And then the Tron motorcycles come out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I I think in the end, it's like, it is deeply flawed, but I enjoy watching it. It's like all the good stuff gets better and all the bad stuff. You can just kind of debate. I mean, yeah, it is a stone cold bummer because it's about the human condition and we mm. suck. Yeah, Dang. yeah, we suck, and, 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 and even we, if you think about what, maybe a slightly more interesting, Sarah, ten years ago, think we don't, we didn't even know what we really needed. That someone thought a robot child would be something anybody would want, and or, or like sixty. That's not some. It's a dumb idea. It is, but like maybe forty years ago, it wasn't because 
medical technology wasn't there. Adoption takes for fucking ever. Uh, maybe this is how people viewed solving childlessness 40 years ago, even sure. 10 years ago. But this and movie's being made 20 years ago 20 years where ago. we have solved some of those problems. Some of those. But also, I, well, I can't wait till we talk about her. Yeah, no, no, I, I could, I could not. This I could not stop thinking. I, I could not stop thinking about her. I could not stop thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I enjoyed yeah, I that about... quite a bit more than this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I kept rotating through like a bunch of other movies. I was thinking about Blade Runner, but especially Blade yeah. Runner twenty forty nine. I wish this movie was um, called Blade Runner Junior. I really do. It, <laughs> it's the better name. But for I also it. thought about her a bunch, and then I thought about. Um, Minority Report a bunch too, and it's like there's just it looks there's like a lot Report. there's yeah. a lot going on there. But yeah. every, everything... I think Minority Report, but also too, I do. I mean, I guess also a lot of this comes down to like philosophical questions and what you're into. Like mm -hmm. these mm. philosophical questions do not interest me as much as the philosophical questions that are brought up in Minority Report. I cannot fucking wait to talk about that movie. <laughs> I love it so much. But yeah, I mean. I was a philosophy major, but my focus was ethics. Of course, I like Minority Report more. So, mm -hmm. you know, if, if, you know, yes, it's just not for me. It does not grab me. All right. That's all. Mm. That's fair. I should probably attack you behind the scenes the way you did with me and Pootie Ting, but I will not. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just. Try your worst. No, no, no. I, I don't. Because <laughs> I, I know this movie isn't flawless, but like I saw it when I was younger. Mm -hmm. uh, I watched it again and was for this show like last night it was blown the fuck away like i really liked it again yeah and yeah, uh, it's it's flaws are kind of part of what makes yeah, it interesting a absolutely oh, just like every kubrick film though yeah. that's true for kubrick for sure yeah yeah kubrick's like, films are, fil are filled with flaws that like uh you end up enjoying right and, and i think that's why it is such an interesting team up and to me incongruous between kubrick and spielberg because spielberg is so slick and flawless mm -hmm. With everything like impeccable mm -hmm. and Kubrick is not. And I find the flaws like interesting with, I had nothing I had written it's... down. I had written down. I, I read the, the, the crossover planet of the apes versus star Trek. And mm. what that did was like help highlight the flaws in both of those properties. But this movie doesn't really do that. I wish it would highlight the flaws in Spielberg and Kubrick. Whereas this tries to make mm. this weird. I feel like it does. Do you? Yes. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm, yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not quite sure. I feel like it, it they, they, they don't make enough tough decisions to go one way or the other with it. Um, mm. I feel like I think. See, I, and again, sorry, we've talked about this movie for so long. I love but it. I don't care. I feel like it is <laughs> treacly in the way that I don't like Spielberg to be, mm -hmm. and up its own ass the way I don't like Kubrick to be. And mm. together, it has formed this movie. It's probably fair. <laughs> but I will say that. I, again, I think we have to praise Haley Joel Osment again. Yeah, really because, good. Holy yes. shit, he is so good in this. Like, mm -hmm. there's, there's not a scene he's not in. Imagine. He's uh, he's yeah. in every single scene. He's fantastic. Yeah. Like, truly. I I can't imagine hanging this much movie on one right? little kid, and he just and, he just knocks it out of the and park. And I, I watch him, and like he's telling him not to blink. If you think it's so easy, try doing it while watching the movie. It's really it's, interesting. It's it's a it's tough to do. It's not even the not blinking. It's the when he, they do that laughing at yep. the dinner table. Oh god! <laughs> Ooh, scary! Like it's so yeah. Good. Something about a little kid He's laughing fantastic. like George McFly. Ah 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 ah! Like don't ever. <laughs> I never want to see that again. I that never want to see that. I, I never want to see that again. again. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> I was doing Crispin Glover, but uh, whatever. <laughs> um, AI. I thoroughly. <sighs> I, I recommend it more than. Um, 
most of our podcasts. No, I, 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 I loved it. I haven't seen it in a while. I had a great time with it. But again, like my girlfriend fucking hated most of it. Um, yeah. and, and Sarah didn't like it either. So I guess it's not for everybody. But I think if leaning more towards maybe why Diana likes it, it even if it is a failure, it's so interesting. And one by two, yeah. like titans of the medium, uh, it's enjoyable if you like both of those people. The fact that it's a Kubrick Spielberg together joint makes it weird. Fascinating. So, I mean, that alone, just visually, just visually. It's so pretty. Yeah. It's interesting and weird. I love it. I think it's heavy as fuck. And I think it disappointed all the people who made it number one at the box office that week. Cause they wanted a story where a robot triumphed and beat some evil thing or went home to its family. And they got none of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah, I want to remind you, we're living in a world. Esoteric. We're living in a world where, uh, uh, what was it two years, less than two years ago, Stanley Kubrick movie is number one at the box office. I don't think that would happen if he was still alive today. He would be well, relegated to like because, hyper indie Amazon status uh, if he wanted it to make had movies. Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman and titties. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah. I'm a huge fan of that movie. Um, I, I and just, Sydney Pollock. Do yeah. not. Yeah. And a big shout out to uncredited cameos from Ben Kingsley, Meryl Streep, Chris Rock. Uh, I think there's more. Robin Williams. Robin. Yeah. Did you did you read about that? Robin Williams. No. That is directed by Stanley Kubrick. He was alive to get that voice performance out of Robin Williams. Steven Spielberg did not work with Robin Williams on this movie. I don't remember. Whoa. Was he? Did he come back into the movie as Bicentennial Man? No, oh, goddamn it! I knew she was going to bring up <laughs> Bicentennial Man to try and make that movie more like this one. That movie sucks. That <laughs> you're thinking of Bicentennial Man this Dogs. whole time. Um, but yeah, the, the, that Stanley Kubrick directed directed Robin Williams that is in this movie. Um, what so the fuck? That is not a Spielberg moment. He did not call in a hook favor. That's an audio session directed by Kubrick. Um, wow. Anyway, moving on. Uh, right when I've actually astounded Diana with something. Well, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Savor this moment. Yeah, like, yeah, it's never happened it, to me man. before. She always knows wow, more than me. I did not know that. Um, uh, Men in Black, the series concludes, and I just wanted to make a note of that because as we continue to talk about how Ghostbusters should be rebooted or if their fans should be nuked from orbit, um, uh, <laughs> I thought Men in Black was the new Ghostbusters. It's bizarre to me that like they let that series falter i i, I love yeah, it did Black. you watch the most recent installment i loved Thor? it oh i couldn't stand it. oh no sorry the international one no i didn't see that i saw i thought i meant, huh. I meant three that was bow i didn't know how much of it hung on will smith and maybe yeah. i didn't know how much ghostbusters hung on bill murray maybe i'm incorrect mm-hmm. on this i don't know but i thought men in black would be around for like the biggest thing in the world forever and we're watching like numerous tv series of it get canceled uh the ripping friends says this week makes it's an american debut that is the follow-up to Ren and Stimpy from John Krikfaluski, another right. person I don't want to talk a lot about because he's a piece of shit, <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. this cartoon is completely bizarre, wholly Canadian, and helped build uh, helped build Adult Swim for some weird reason, Because, uh, but it is very much a kid show. And then lastly on TV this week, Six Feet Under, an open book. Yeah, I love this episode because we are we're still in the first season, of course, just start talking about Six Feet Under, but now we really get like a deep dive into uh, Billy and his whole situation and the uh, relationship between Nate and Brenda. Brenda, thank you. Oh my God, I totally blanked on her <laughs> name. I was like, Ugh. Uh, yeah, their relationship gets so much deeper in this episode because you really get into Brenda's 
past and her relationship with her two therapist parents. And mm. Diana, when you were talking about how AI made you like realize some things about yourself and therapy might be helpful with that. Hello. That was this episode for me, like watching Brenda's therapist parents interact with her new boyfriend and oh, how yeah. examined Brenda's life was under a microscope really like uh, brought some things to light for me that I feel like were very important mm. for me to work through. And I've yep. been in like a ton of therapy and lots of different kinds of therapy and still working on it, guys. But yeah, I absolutely love this episode because I think Brenda is a endlessly fascinating character and her relationship with her brother Billy is incredibly fascinating as well this really mm. opens that book for them basically and shows yeah. you like holy shit this is way more fucked up than you can even imagine yeah. so yeah I yeah. really love this episode for that yeah I Michael and I have started we we Ooh. started binging six feet under we're like at the end of the second season already like we have just been flying through it it has been so nice to just eat brunch Watch a bunch of Six Feet Unders. Put your feet up on a weekend. Oh my God, I am loving it so much, and oh, I'm double bitch, checking you're to see. Living your best life right now. I really, really am. Like, I get mad that I have work because I want. I'm, I can't. I want to watch another episode. I'm so happy for you. And then I'm double checking. So, so this is one. Yeah, where her parents do like the most fucked up thing, where they like invite they invite their daughter's boyfriend to dinner. Mm -hmm. And don't tell him that she's not coming. Yes. <laughs> that is <laughs> so weird. It yeah. sends a around my back. I think that's that's a vague, vague abuse of power from their perspective. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't imagine anything worse than just, yeah, one-on-one -on -one with the parents. And you have no respite. And there's nowhere to run. Mm -hmm. And also I saw that, oh, the, the death this week is a porn I was star. I was going to bring that up. One of my favorite Wait. deaths of the week oh ever. She's so guest starring Sandra O oh as yes. her porn star best friend. <laughs> she is so funny. And Dude, yeah, they just have the words big, out old, of my mouth. Yep. big old porn funeral um, <laughs> trying to make her giant titties look like they did in life. You know, the secret <laughs> is to is a can of cat food under each boob. That's how you make them stand <laughs> up in the same area. Uh, yeah, I love this death of the week because it is so like the quintessential six feet under where you're like, what, when is this going to happen? Like I'm on edge, mm. like this lady's going to die, but how yeah. and in what way <laughs> that is. is going to like disturb me a little bit. But yeah, the actress who plays the porn star is actually a porn star in real life and also had a part in Boogie Nights. Um, hey. so yeah, she's fantastic and her death of the week is so great and she re comes back up again in the episode as a spirit maybe or you know an uh, apparition hallucination however you want to call it uh, but yeah this is a fantastic episode just absolutely love it mm. yeah fucking great all right oh my goodness we are so we are so very yeah you know, we we're running long this week but hey. you know for good reasons had to talk about that animatronic bear. Um, but had to talk about Pootie Tang. <laughs> I had to talk about Pootie Tang. Yeah. Bomberman Tournament is a game that's out this week for GBA, as is Final Fantasy Chronicles for PS1. That's uh, Final Fantasy, I think, five finally coming to America for the first time with Chrono Trigger. And Tomb Raider Curse of the Sword, a decent follow-up to a really good Game Boy version of Tomb Raider uh, made by Core Eidos. Uh, we'll talk about this more on patreon.com slash laser time. Let's close out with Drive by Incubus. It's on the <laughs> chart this week. Has one of my favorite lines in pop star a history, which is ah uh, ah uh, ah. Uh, just when you forget the lyrics, just go. Uh, uh. 
kill. Uh, uh, <laughs> Y'all, Incubus was my first concert ever. Oh, God. With oh, my first my. boyfriend ever who I had previously talked about I got my first kiss ever from. Oh. Do I know that guy? No. Okay, good. All right, we can close out with that thing. <laughs> I, um, I just enjoy this because it reminded me Grunge wasn't dead in 2001. Yeah, it sounds like straight up Throw in some turntables. <laughs> I absolutely love this song. It will always hold this space in my heart. Incubus, take us out of here. But hey, people, we still have more show, if you can believe it. 2011 is right around the corner. Folks, you know us here at the Laser Time Network. We consume a lot of content for quote-unquote research purposes. <laughs> From games to TV shows to movies, we're always online downloading something, streaming something. But there are times when it's nearly impossible to access a piece of content you want because it isn't available in the U.S. for whatever reason. Oh, those things like annoying licensing deals, geo-restricted servers, or platforms that are just not available in your location make it next to impossible to get your hands on the stuff you want. Hey, that's why we couldn't be happier that NordVPN is our sponsor today, and they provide an easy-to-use workaround for all these problems. With over 5,400 servers in 59 countries, they can always find a server to get us access to the game, shows, and movies. We need to do our job. It could not be any simpler to use either. With their AutoConnect feature, you can instantly access the fastest VPN solutions out there across a variety of devices, including PC, Android, iOS, Mac, and even more. Hey, maybe even Android TV. Just open a map, click on a location, and you'll be connected in seconds. It is that easy. Is there a game or movie or TV show not available in your country? It's not a problem anymore. Just change your virtual location for access to a variety of international storefronts. You can even do this to access different streaming platforms that may not be available in your home country. Talking to you, Canada. You can find discounts on games, lower streaming subscriptions, and even take advantage of international sales and pricing. So how do you get on this? Easy. Go to nordvpn.com slash lasertime or use the coupon code lasertime to get a two-year plan plus one additional month with a huge discount. And hey, they even have a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you've got nothing to lose. Once again, go to nordvpn.com slash lasertime to use the code lasertime, one word, to get a two-year plan plus one additional month at a huge discount. Thank you, NordVPN. Mr. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea, it's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of June 25th through July 1st, wow. Okay, a lot of strong recommends. Most of these people have probably heard of, but I just want to throw in, hey, go watch them again. Why not? So let's start with 50 years ago this week. 1971 saw the release of Clute with Jane Fonda and Donald Sutherland. I don't know why it's called Clute, because that's Donald Sutherland's name. It should be called Brie, because mostly it's about Jane Fonda's character, who is fascinating. She is a call girl who's being stalked by a creepy guy, and Donald Sutherland is a, like, investigator-type guy trying to help her, and it is really good. I It's one of those, like, I had heard for a long time, like, oh, this is one of Jane Fonda's best performances, and I finally watched it, and I was like, dude, this movie is, like, awesome start to finish. It is, just, it's a good thriller without being, you know, like, cheesy thriller, like, basic instinct type thriller. It's just, like, it's just real interesting from start to finish. And then the same week, uh, a very different kind of movie, but Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory turns 50 this week. Yay! Uh, what do I have to say? Nothing. I got nothing to say. Movies, uh, 
bizarre and wonderful, and Gene Wilder was a treasure. Uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it, I can't imagine that you haven't seen it, but it is like referenced so often culturally that like, how, how have you avoided it? Go watch it. And then skipping ahead 10 years to 1981, 40 years ago this week, what a triple feature. It's, it's literally something for everyone. Uh, let's start with the one that your people have seen, the punk rock documentary, Decline of Western Civilization, directed by Penelope Spiris. Fucking awesome, fascinating movie about, yeah, the punk scene in LA and, and how, it's, how it developed as, you know, an answer to prog rock and disco and stuff. And it's just, it's just very, very entertaining and interesting the whole way through. And then Bill Murray's breakthrough movie, I suppose, 40 years ago this week, Stripes. Yeah, great, great, goofy comedy, him and Harold Ramis. Just, just charming and wonderful and silly and weird. And then a movie I said I was going to bring up again <clears throat> uh, over and over because of, well, because when Charles Grodin passed away, I almost brought it up when Diana Rigg passed away, but The Great Muppet Caper turns 40. And if you have not rewatched The Great Muppet Caper since you were a kid, I think you will be very, very surprised at how good it is to watch as a grown up. It is, I mean, you think about it, it's a special effects masterpiece because. Those are all puppets, and you forget real fast that uh, that's a pig climbing up the outside of the house. How did they do that? I don't know, but they're going to ask John Cleese for a restaurant recommendation, and then his wife's going to yell at him. It's so funny. There's so many things that just blew way over my head when I was a kid, and I rewatched it a little while ago, and Charles Grodin's commitment, he is so fucking good in that movie. Seriously, special Oscar for being so convincing. <laughs> with Muppets. And yeah, that's that'll keep you pretty busy this week. So that's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming in with uh, coming in 2011 with Selena Gomez, who says off when the sun goes down? Uh, so, wait, this is Selena Gomez and the scene? Oh, her, her Miami sound we're, machine or whatever that was. Yeah. I'm pretending we're tying, I'm t- <laughs> we're tying into a movie too. We are. It's all synergy. Ooh, okay, I'll, hopefully I'll figure out what that is later. But I got to tell you now what was released music wise June 25th through July 1st. Uh, Finally Famous by the debut of Big Sean. Big Sean, uh, the Loud Morning. By David Cook, the self-titled uh, album by Taking Back Sunday. Gold Cobra by Limp Bizkit, their last album until whenever, Diana. <laughs> they technically have not broken up, they say. <laughs> I think they do. But they, they haven't released anything for 10 years. They still do sad Gen X cruises and shit, so, yeah. Um, and Rolling the Deep by Adelaide is number one. That's Adele. Uh, ooh, relationship stuff in the news here. Everyone get mm. ready. I'm fanning mm-hmm. myself with anticipation because Ryan Reynolds and Scarlett Johansson divorce after two years of marriage. I only remember that being notable. I saw them everywhere and never them together ever. Mm-hmm. Ever. Well, we just talked about Green Lantern, so we know where he was ooh. going. Oh, la, la. I, I, I actually remember I saw the, the <laughs> this, this scandalous photo of them breaking up in a restaurant. And then, like, Scarlett Johansson was out on a date with Sean Penn the next day, and it looked really awkward. Um, mm. And then <laughs> Patricia Arquette and Thomas Jane divorce after five years of marriage. This is how I find out they were married. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. 
And Tom Jane, I, I asked him, I like, what do you want to say about this 10 years after the fact? And he says, I just want my kids back. That's an Arrested Development joke. I don't expect everyone to get. <laughs> I, just, I just want my kids back. Um, I'll repeat it again, even though no one laughed the first time. Movies of 2011, January 25th through July 1st. The Perfect Host. Um, this probably isn't the horror movie I want it to be, starring David Hyde Pierce. No, it's <laughs> but it's a horror movie, all right. Oh, is it? Oh, it is. Um, Clayne Crawford, Nathaniel Parker, Megan Perry, and Helen Reddy. Yes, mm. the Helen Reddy. Mm. She is woman. woman. Hear her roar. Yep. Mm. Yo, yep. I'm going to ignore it. This movie is bonkers. <laughs> yep. Holy moly. This movie's crazy, and I loved it. I was hoping that you would watch this just because David Hyde Pierce was well, in it. Well, duh. Well, duh. Yeah. Of course. Exactly. <laughs> That's why I ended up watching it, too. I, I, uh, I yeah, it's bonkers. Uh, Clayne Crawford plays a criminal who's on the run, and uh, he ends up at David Hyde Pierce's house, and uh, then it gets a little funny games-ish. Oh, neat. Except yes. the opposite. David Hyde Pierce is the crazy one. Yeah. <laughs> I just think from What Hot American Summer, I said no. Niles <laughs> mm-hmm. be torturing people, yo. Oh, neat. Bruh, he does. <laughs> yeah, I really don't want to reveal anything because like every twist wow. and turn was like truly insane and I've i also don't want to put too much of a magnifying glass on the story because i don't think it holds up under any yeah. logic wow. of the world that we live in but wow this movie is really really completely bananas and a really fun ride i thought like just interesting a very fun experiment i think mm-hmm is the best way to put it. Probably. How would, yeah. would you say? It feels like a like a, a good student film. Yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I'm happy to see David Hyde Pierce do some stuff because I miss that man. Yeah. Would you say the same about um, Marnie Carlo with Selena Gomez and other people who are not Selena Gomez? Yes. Catherine Taint. I, Catherine Taint. Why did I do that to her? Catherine Tate, um, Brett <laughs> Cullen, Andy McDowell. Oh, shit. She's in another movie. Great. Uh, Corey Monathithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithithith
but I'm not mad at, about it at all. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't get around to it, but uh, again, I read a whole bunch of reviews, and all the reviews were like, yeah, you know, it's like Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, but yes. it's in France, and it's pretty, and mm -hmm. yeah, it's like a, a fun teen girl summertime movie that's just, just you know, it's just meringue mm -hmm. as a movie. It's just fluffy and fun, whatever. And, and a thought I had about Monte Carlo, it's always one of those places that was... <laughs> Held aloft is one of those places we all were supposed to want to go in the 60s. And now I forget, like, do I want to go to Monte Carlo? I can't even remember anymore. And no. Sarah's shaking her head like, nah. I think it's fine. Herbie the love really bug went there gambling, after his third right? movie. It's mm. a place where you go when you want to gamble, yeah. right? Yeah. Like a Vegas. I'm not into that. Um, I only gamble with my health. <laughs> <laughs> not with my money. Uh, okay. Um, you can't see the prostitute in the background of Sarah's Zoom call right now. Or the uh, eight cigarettes I'm smoking right now. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the, the Lollapalooza carnival amount of cigarettes in her mouth. Uh, the, the, the <laughs> I'm so mad about the movie I decided to watch from this segment because the one I really wanted to oh, watch boy. was Tom Hanks' follow-up to That Thing You Do. I think it was just a flawless fucking movie and speaks yeah. to Tom Hanks' gift at making films and he may not have made a lot of films but the films he wants to make are like weird animation i want to make cloud atlas or band of brothers or from earth to the moon they're all good and interesting but even he makes fun of himself constantly for the wanting to make larry crown <laughs> mm. uh larry crown and i, I yeah. wish i would have watched it i i did watch it and it's also very very fluffy and light mm -hmm. and fun and mm -hmm. it is this close to being like really good and interesting right mm -hmm. and it doesn't get there it has a fatal flaw and i can talk about what that is in a second but it's got a hell of a cast Seriously. tom hanks julia roberts brian cranston cedric the entertainer parajit p henson oh. there she is again gugu mbatha raw person who i both like her as an actress and i love that name mm -hmm. uh wilder valderrama being mm -hmm. a lot of fun pam greer for about pam greer rita wilson for like 10 seconds each uh, george mm -hmm. takei who steals all his scenes and rob riggle this sounds like you're firing me. When they took away his job. They said it's because I didn't go to college. You're never too old to learn. Larry, it's got power. He took a chance. This is my first day of college ever. I love that. It's never too late in life. Do you need a ride? To start living. <laughs> you are way cooler than you appear. Larry Crown. I can see you. <laughs> Rated PG-13. Ooh, seems... So <laughs> this movie reminds me so much of In Good Company. Hmm. Same sort of like. Is that the Topher Grace movie? And Dennis Quaid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. same sort of sort of boomer trying to find themselves in a new economy situation. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I wanted it to be like a tad better than it actually is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I exactly. Tom Hanks has Worked for a really long time at a, like a Target type place, and then they fire him because they realize, oh, we can't promote you because you have no college education. Which is like already like I'm sure that sort of bullshit happens, but mm -hmm. wouldn't they tell him about that before they're going right. to fire him so he can go start taking night classes? Mm -hmm. Whatever. Yeah. Like this corporation sucks. We it's very clear that it sucks. Everything about it sucks. So he decides to go back to school. So he starts taking classes at like a community college where uh julia roberts is his teacher who's i, I just want to call her like if aaron brockovich gave up <laughs> like no. she's my she's my favorite part of this movie because i don't know if i've ever seen her play someone who has just given the fuck up she just she drinks too much she doesn't like her job she doesn't like her husband she's just over it 
Mm. And it's a, it's a lot of fun to see her be doing that. Um, here's where the flaw comes in. So Tom Hanks uh, is trying to, you know, pull his life together. And he meets up with fellow student Guga Mbathara, who's a manic pixie dream girl. And she's going to mm. fix his whole life. And thank God they don't get together. It's not that kind of movie. But she just keeps bouncing in and out with her boyfriend, Volder Valmarama, like, we're going to get you a haircut now. We're going to make over your house. We're going to do that. And it's like, I feel like there's a better way to get the idea of him, like, connecting with the young people by being a college student than to just have it forced on him by a wacky character. Mm. Yeah, she's just, mm. uh, I that that just kind of bugged me to just have a character just I'm changing you this is your character arc <laughs> instead of like let him have the character arc to get there even though yeah it looks uh, like Tom Hanks is dyeing his hair to make him look even younger for this movie like he's being de-aged mm. to be <laughs> to play the age of this movie yeah well actually I mean that's a wig so they can give him his new cool haircut oh which is just regular Tom Hanks hair mm. yeah it took me a while to figure it out it's like why does his hair look weird oh that's why yeah. um yeah, but it's it's very inoffensive. It's light and fluffy. Like I said, George Takei is actually hilarious as the kind of professor I've had several times, which is he's he's trying to scare you and then he makes a joke and then he's mad that everyone doesn't laugh and then he just starts laughing maniacally and you don't know what to do. <laughs> but a, a piece of trivia, I don't know if it's all the way out there. Uh, uh, he's married to Rita Wilson, right? Yes. His wife is best friends with the wife of Brian Cranston. So Brian huh. Cranston is has a small role in like every Tom Hanks thing ever. He's in Saving mm. Private Ryan. You can very clearly see him in that. Hmm. But they're like best buds behind the scenes because of their wives. But now he's at a point where you can put him as the fourth lead in your movie and not have to explain yourself. It's just you my know, buddy. He's, uh, he's barely there. But Grace Gummer and Rami Malek are also in it, you know, for pretty small parts. Randall Park has like a line. Um, mm. and it's, but it's interesting. It's directed by Tom Hanks and it's co-written by him and Nia Vardalos who did what? Big Cut Greek Wedding, which he Are, produced. Yeah. Or, well, yeah. Rita Wilson discovered that thing and like brought it yeah. to theaters. Yeah. Oh my God, I mm -hmm. love that. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's cool. So, yeah. So it ends up being, it's just, it's fine. It's like, I can't yeah. bear, like if it, if it weren't for Julia Roberts, uh, not being so Julia Robertsy so much of the time, I probably wouldn't recommend it. And it's like, that's the one thing that ends up kicking it over. of just like, it's light, it's fluffy, it goes by fast, it's soothing, it's it's fine. It's aggressively fine. I know, yeah, it just, it's, it's just not aggressively the... Aggressively whatever. It's it's 15 years after the, the follow-up to That Thing You Do, which is a perfect know, film. It's and, so great. Uh, uh, and I, I'm yeah. assuming this film opens with Playtone Records Films Presents. Yep, um, yep. Mm. You know what? It's okay though for our Tom Hanks to chill. That's it's true. Know? It's true. Do a cruise control movie. That's okay. It's true. Man's been working hard. Okay, but it's a second yeah. directorial movie. I just I like it's you, whatever. Okay. Yeah, he, uh, clearly he works behind the scenes to bring movies to the screen that he likes. There's that submarine movie, for instance. I forget the name of Greyhound. Greyhound, the most dad movie that I watched ever it. Dad. <laughs> I watched it. It's like, it's hey, Hanks. what if what if Hunt for Red October wasn't about characters, but it was all about what watches on from twelve to two a.m. <laughs> what if it were about technical details? Yes, set in I, six I hours. I actually really liked it. Yeah, it was I not really bad, but it's it. very dad dad like. Man, it's running so a submarine would be hard. Yes, it is. Here's six hours of it. <laughs> Diana, I always said you had big daddy energy. So big daddy there you energy. go. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so dad. What I oh did choose to watch. Very sadly, was this? Star oh, honey! I didn't. Oh, brother! I didn't 
I didn't know anything about this movie because I don't care. And I can't not say this. When Frances McDormand popped up, like, I just explained who that was to my girlfriend. She does a movie every five years. It's always nominated for an Oscar. And then how do you explain this in her fucking, <laughs> in her bio? How much did they, they better have paid her a lot of money to be in this mm-hmm. Transformers movie. She is great in it, by the way, and looks hot as fuck. Uh, John Malkovich could say the same thing for him, but he sells out all the time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Julie White, Kevin Dunn, Mick Dreamy himself, Patrick Dempsey, um, Rosie Huntington, Whitley, Tyrese Gibson, John Turturro, Josh Demel. Oh. Yep. Uh, uh, Josh Demel and Shia LaBeouf, number one of the box office, Transformers, Dark of the Moon. You lied to us. You've made Great a scene. grave mistake. It's starting! It's time to make a stand! Today, we take the battle to them. <laughs> and that is the ad with the most dialogue. Wow. Because everything else was just clickety clackety clickety clackety. So let me I, I let me put an asterisk on what I just said about Larry Crown because I think I might be too nice to it because I was going through things. Yeah. When I watched it. Because spoiler alert, next week we're gonna talk about Slacker. So I rewatched mm-hmm. that, but it's a movie with no plot. And then I started rewatching or started watching Transformers Dark of the Moon. Wow. I, I suddenly my brain just started to turn off and not in a good way. And I needed something with character development and a plot with acts and structure so badly. I thought I was losing my mind. And that you were enjoying Dark of the Moon? No, uh, because (sighs) this this movie, (laughs) they, it's, there's two movies really going on. There's Shia LaBeouf is trying to get a job out of college and (laughs) He is frustrated that his, that his he's frustrated that his supermodel girlfriend is very successful working for not Elon Musk, Patrick Dempsey. And we get all of his pissy baby bullshit. And then with top secret government clearance given to him um later in the film. And later in the film. And then there is robots fighting. Protecting. And they spent this movie is two and a half hours. Yeah, I tapped it. And out. they spend so much time on the character stuff. And then when they do the action stuff, I feel like scenes are missing because suddenly it just starts and like they didn't tell me what was going on or who is that guy or what's gonna like what are they trying to do. I, they just I feel like they're constantly skipping ahead. Like they cut out the exposition. They didn't to t- get to the action instead of cutting out the character stuff that is redundant and stupid. They didn't tell me the opening of the film has characters voiced by a by the people who voiced characters in the previous film who were cut for being racist, but the same voice <laughs> actors are back doing different characters that are different somehow. And I had. I ended up having to text my friend Adam from Paducan, <laughs> Pass Blaster on Twitch. Like, you like these movies, right? He's like, I hate them, but I do love them. Um, okay. I'm like, please help me out here because I had thought, and I can confirm, this is one of the better of the the five. Um, mm. There's six Transformers movies. Bumblebee is great. Bumblebee is E.T. There's one Transformer. They have a great intro to Cybertron. Have you guys seen Bumblebee yet? It's not bad. No. But it's like, it's a super focused plot of a girl finding a scared robot from Cybertron and trying to hide her from society. No big fights, 
no and world ending mate uh, MacGuffin like it's just E.T. with a tra- one Transformer it's neat okay. um, but the other five movies <laughs> are fucking terrible he's like I'll be honest they all they start bad and get worse as they go and they're all everyone is worse but I did do a Rotten Tomatoes Metacritic this is the third best one after the original and Bumblebee um, okay. Dark of the Moon be- wow. be- because it do- when it does come time to do the fight scenes it is not as Michael Bay as some of the previous ones which is it's it's yeah. like it takes its time like that is impressive to look at. Thank you, Michael Bay, for not oh, cutting oh, yeah. a billion times before a robot does something. Hmm. Yeah, I I can never complain about like the quality of the effects. They're mm. they're very very. Good. I can. And I, I never can, envisioned I, in my mind as a kid a transformer making a hundred billion sounds all the time and having that many working parts. It's just a truck who wears a truck as armor. Why are these things making so much noise even when they're just delivering dialogue? I hate that shit. I hate Optimus Prime's yeah. lips. I hate it all. I I hate these films. So it's like during the big action scenes, I could mostly understand what was happening visually, which has been my problem with Michael. Sometimes, yes. Yes. But that doesn't fucking matter because they teleported into this action scene. Like there's one line of dialogue that's like, we've got some readings over here. And you're like, who, what, who are these guys? Readings of what, what's, what, how, what? Oh no, there's a robot fight. I was like, well, I, don't care. It's it's so astonishing. Transformers always has like a little human surrogate, but it's pretty much a joke in the cartoons. Non-existent in the animated movie. I laughingly call this the end of the Witwicky trilogy because the amount <laughs> the producers think we love Shia LaBeouf and his yeah. parents who get 30 minutes of screen time in the previous film alone with no Transformers is yeah. is absolutely breathtaking like uh, the the hubris involved in that i hate these movies on such a a weird visceral level and i'm not super connected i love the toys the cartoon was dumb i knew it was dumb when i was five i don't care that much but the toys are iconic and i love them and uh these movies are beyond stupid and 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 i really want to say this from the bottom of my heart a total waste of michael bay's time I, mm-hmm. I've seen him do things that are impressive, and I'm not mm-hmm. just talking like pain and gain. Like Michael Bay is a gifted director who can do things that no other people, some no other directors can. He has a very good mm-hmm. sense of action, and mm-hmm. this is these are the worst Sometimes. movies America has ever put out. I'm I dislike the Chinese for how much they like these movies. It's like the, it's as racist as I get towards them. Like, why do you like these fucking movies? Why th- 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 this is part of the reason they keep getting made because these mm-hmm. movies make more in China. Uh, than they do over here. It's like it- yeah, I I hated this so much that I don't want to cut Michael Bay even the tiniest bit of yeah, slack anymore. Okay. I don't care about Pain and Gain. I don't care that the island is perfectly watchable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This feels like a movie by people who hate movies for yeah. people who hate movies. It feels Whoa. like the people who made He Man, the original He Man. They're upset with the, they're upset within the confines they have to work, and you can see how upset they are because they take it out on you. Is this the yeah. one where John Turturro gets a golden shower from a robot? <laughs> no. Okay. I believe that is the second one. Okay. I think everyone I talk to is that oh, I gotta watch this. They're like, is that the one with robot dinosaurs? I'm like, no. No, that's that's four. I did watch that one. Uh, okay. But there's it, too many it, of these. But it does finally put to rest the issue of whether the moon landing was faked. It <gasps> was not faked. What? But it was a lie, so that. Uh, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin could go investigate a crashed robot alien 
and, and spaceship poor, and buzz aldrin is in appears the, as himself oh, oh which i was like this I, I my head hit my forehead like <laughs> but i'm like this is probably the biggest payday he's seen in like 60 years it it was, and the fact that the robot, that Optimus Prime is like, you're our hero. Good to see you again, Buzz. I salute you. <laughs> you're the real hero here. I'm like, oh my God, I hate you so much. I'm going to go yell at the moon like on 30 Rock. I had a, I had a robot poster of you on my cyber wall. This movie is is I, so dumb. I hate it. And, and I, 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 so I like much. everyone in it and I like the director, it's just like, I think if we could wait, we'll get to a point where like, we need to make more room in our brains for things. Could we wave a wand and forget certain things existed? And we would do that to the Transformers movies. They're movies that mm-hmm. nobody likes. I see like, I remember seeing like a little kid and like, oh, Optimus Prime. And he's like, what? You mean my shirt? And like, your mom just bought that for you, didn't? This wasn't a merchandising sensation. Like kids didn't like these movies. Uh, they saw these movies because their parents wanted them to like these characters. And it, it, it bums me out to no end. It's 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 yeah. me feeling like it's my generation getting super boomery, and I fucking hate it. The same way I got in the theater and watched the Flintstones movie. That's what you're doing to your kids for these films. And you need to, need to be better. Precisely. Be better. Yeah. And They're I, just I, nostalgia machines. I but mm-hmm. I I did I can confirm this is the the last movie was made during a writer strike in which right. the main character dies forever in the f- opening of the film, which obviously he doesn't, but it's a dumb way to start your fucking film. And Michael Bay champion, like, yeah, no one is trying to write it. So I did. Ha ha. I can do this all day. No, you can't son. You really can't. And it, it was a very bad film. <laughs> this mm. looks better by comparison, but these last couple of movies, I'll make it like an hour into. And like, I cannot believe people like these. And I don't mean to insult you. I like dumb fun too, but this is like, this is too dumb, too dumb. Yeah. And, and taking taking advantage of something I sort of like in the back of my head, and I hate the way it's being done here. Um, fuck Transformers, and especially Transformers Two, but second especially Transformers Three. Uh, yeah, the, hate it. Stop. I just I tried. I tried so hard, guys. Mm-hmm. I tried so hard. I did too. I, I usually don't get a, a, over an hour into these things. Frances McDormand, it, I am endlessly. She has never acted alongside a special effect before. She really hasn't. And she's, and she's great at it. Yeah, she really yeah. hasn't. She's great. She can do everything. It, it, that is interesting to watch because I don't know. I would love to hear her do an entire documentary about how they talked her into this. <laughs> Did her husband have anything to say about it? No, I got a great role in one of my Coen Brothers movies for you because I am a Coen brother. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, comma, a Coen brother. Coen brother. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm I not guess. a great writer. We're seeing this now. Um, but moving into television, well, really, Law and Order: Criminal Intent finale is ten years ago. Yeah, it, oh, it is, and it and it's a it asks a very important question: Did James Vanderbeek as not Mark Zuckerberg kill the not Winklevi? <laughs> Turns out, no, he didn't. Dang. There, I spoiled it for you. Yeah, no, Law and Order: Criminal Intent. I mean, it's just, I love all the Law and Orders; they're just fun. But Criminal Intent was extra fun because it just started getting weird towards the the last couple seasons because like Vincent D'Onofrio was like burning himself out with his method acting, and yeah. so they like they they like had other crews that they'd bring in. Like Jeff Goldblum would be like every other week, and like Chris Noth is back for it here and there, and it's like yeah, just is, isn't he whatever. back? Isn't he back now in the universe somehow? Like, um, I believe he is. I like some Peacock don't thing. No. Maybe I oh, don't not, know. Not, not sorry, not no. Maloney, Maloney is back. Maloney's back. That's yeah, with the, the Law and Order um, organized crime. So what was what yeah, was Maloney criminal? Fine. What was criminal intense 
cache. I don't really understand what that means. It's oh, go ahead. Oh, I mean, it's it's more like SVU in that there's a lot less courtroom. Like Law and Order, it was pretty much half half an right. hour and half an hour yeah. investigation courtroom. Criminal intent was pretty much just the investigation, mm. typically a murder. And uh, Vincent D'Onofrio was like just an especially odd detective. I thought part of it too is that it actually showed like from the criminal's point of view some scenes instead of it just yeah. being from the investigator's point of view. Hmm. Yeah, that was opened either showing you who did it or just giving you clues that you're looking for later. Yeah. Yeah. That, as an NBC executive, I'm greenlighting that. Uh, take the courtroom out, yep. criminal's point of view, half of it, yeah, we're good. Yep, <laughs> which is extra good because if you start at five minutes in, you haven't missed anything. There you go. <laughs> now it's still a mystery. It's great. Um, and, oh my God, um, Javier Colon on Team Adam Levine wins the first season of The Voice. Colon. Colon. I know. The Voice uh, on the 29th and... My favorite, uh, the 30th, Glenn Beck's last episode on Fox News. As someone who follows too much Fox News drama, it was Fox News saying, like, this is too much. We've had enough. And he's like, I don't even need you. I'll do subscription-based media, which I wish it was around to tell him, like, there's a plateau there, son. Uh, you, mm. <laughs> you're going to hit it and fall down very hard until you do your fake uh, three years ago apology tour. Which mm-hmm. was fake. Um, you're a ter- terrible person, and you will make money off of. Uh, you will only be able to make money off of keeping people in fear of nothing. Yep. And, yeah, and it's just you know he said so many awful things. He lost a lot of advertisers, and it would be really too bad if Fox News would maybe notice that they should do that again to Tucker Carlson's White Power Hour. Well, if you have not plug this here, Media Matters unfox my box. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Fox News has never lost more advertising revenue than where they're at right now. What they're yeah. doing is charging people like Comcast or Sling or DirecTV a massive carrier fee, the next highest to ESPN, the highest rated uh, network on cable, which Fox is not. It is the highest rated news channel sometimes. So they charge a shitload to carry the channel. Therefore, they don't have to worry about advertisers. They can mm-hmm. send people over to their streaming stuff, consider that an uh, it, internal endemic advertising and not have to care about all their bad catheter and flashlight commercials. <laughs> <laughs> so they don't have to care. What we what you do need to do is go to Unfox My Box if you're a cable subscriber and say that you would prefer if your cable fee didn't give a majority of money to a channel you don't like or morally support. Mm. I would say at the very least, I know we're talking to a lot of millennials. I know you don't watch cable, but older people do. And some of these people, even though I know they love being lied to, need to be protected from themselves. And at the very least, this should not be in the news category. You cannot masquerade as news with not news (laughs) and continue to be on the air for as long as Fox News has been. End of rant. Unfox my box. Look it up on the internet. Talk to your cable provider. Um, yeah, hate Glenn Beck. The my favorite thing ever with Glenn Beck was the Onion news piece on. I think the headline was a uh, person dead in car crash tragically, not Glenn Beck, and they just interview like <laughs> twenty bystanders. And like, why wasn't it Glenn Beck? It could have been Glenn Beck. Glenn. Beck. There's just one woman who just shouts Glenn Beck to the heavens over and over again. It's <laughs> um, anyway. Yes, there. Glenn Beck is not dead yet, but uh, at the, maybe we can cancel his goatee by the end of this. I don't know. I don't use mm. Twitter. Uh, yeah. Don't trust the blaze. Don't read the blaze. 
Yeah, it's not a real thing. Crap he's doing. He yeah. t- he told everybody to promote the blaze. How he was lying about a lying apocalyptic person, and how he went through a weird thing, and he's, he was crazy to get on like Samantha B and shit. Have you not seen that interview? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was all a little facade and a lie to promote his shit, which he's just yep. doing all over. Yeah. Yep, it's just same shit, different. If you day. don't listen yep. to bonus time. I have a Glenn Beck impression of something I heard recently. Can I do it again? Because this is why I hate him so much. Okay, we can edit this out, even though I'm editing this. Um. He, I w- we were driving down to Monticello. Sarah knows what I'm talking about to go mm-hmm. antiquing, and we're out of radio station. And I, p- I pick up Glenn Beck, and he's like, uh, Joe Biden, he's going to ruin your 401k. Your retirement, that's over. All gone. All gone. All wiped out. That's what's going to happen under Joe Biden presidency. Uh, oh, you say you have money invested in the stock market? Stock market, that's over. That is a thing of the past. It's why, <laughs> it's why I put all my money in gold. And if you go to mygold.com slash Glenn Beck and like, oh. is this legal? This <laughs> this dude just told everyone everything's going to crash and to buy gold with his exclusive coupon code. Also, everyone listening to him is already retired. <laughs> and second of all, like the stock market's not real anyways. Right, right. It's it's. You well, know what else isn't real? The intrinsic value of gold. Girl, <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to get you any blowjobs during the apocalypse. Not for me, anyway. I don't no. care about gold. Not at I all. I need that sweet, sweet oat milk to go with my coffee. <laughs> I need that solar panel to make my DVD player go. <laughs> Sorry. Too long. Uh, we're all a little punchy at this point of the show. Please excuse uh, what Diana has done to us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, Diana. Uh, video games, 2011. Uh, January, June 25th through July 1st. Um, this will be a lot because we're like, we're at this point uh, with digital stuff, uh, Steam, PSN, and Xbox are advertising. It's a summer of gaming. Seriously, we don't have a lot of summer releases 20 years ago. But here we have uh, Beyond Good and Evil HD, one of my favorite versions of one of my favorite games ever. If you haven't played it, please play it. Um, a game starring a photographer um, named Jade who hides orphans in an orphanage with her best friend who is a talking pig who made jet boots out of your farts. It is one of my favorite <laughs> games ever. Uh, it's really big, expensive. It failed miserably when it came out in 03. And the remake, HD remake, is amazing. And there is allegedly a sequel on the way. Uh, we can talk more about that on Video Game Apocalypse someday, I assure you. Dynasty Warriors Gundam 3, that's Dynasty Warriors and Gundam together. Uh, Resident Evil The Mercenaries 3D, that's the 3DS version of Resident Evil Mercenaries. Um, um, one of my favoriteest games uh, that I played for a little bit was Galaga Legions DX. For uh, That's out on XBLA, uh, the PSP version. Uh, a new James Pond game <laughs> in the Deathly Shallows. I don't need to talk about that. We'll end there. Half Minute Hero um, and other stuff is out this week. We'll talk more about that on patreon.com slash laser time a little more in depth. Um, that that helps out this show, Laser Time, Video Game Apocalypse, uh, Sick of Star Wars, anything else we do keeps trying to compensate people for the time, equipment. Thank you guys so much again for all uh, all your support. We do appreciate it. Di, where can people find you? And stay tuned for the births and deaths quiz. You're not done yet, listener. Well, they can find me on the Twitter at listeningerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. And coming up next week, well, really, there's nothing else to tease except we finally have hit the movie we keep dancing around as the biggest movie of 1991. Honestly, one of the biggest movies of the 90s ever. It's Terminator 2 Judgment Day time next week, man. So excited. 
I now know and why you cry. To, and you get to find out what opens against Terminator 2. Oh, great. Oh, it's not Mr. Popper's Penguins. We just covered that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's, mm. uh, it's another sequel to a movie that Chris likes. Uh, I don't want to talk anymore about my dreams, but I do want the, my co-host to know I have twice dreamt about wandering onto the set of AI2, which, if you like <laughs> the movie, makes no sense. <laughs> I'm David, and I'm alive, and I'm here to kick ass. <laughs> my mom's evil now? What the fuck? <laughs> what is my purpose? Um, <laughs> keep going. Keep going. Anyway. But, all right, let's do some deaths. Before we get to the birthday Death. quiz, which who, is a which is a good one. Who died during 1991? We lost Michael Landon, who was only 54. Right. And what was it like six weeks ago? We talked yep. about him on tonight's show. Chipper and saying he's ready to beat this, and man, he mm-hmm. went he went really fast. This is one of the most famous person deaths I remember as a little kid because mm-hmm. my mom was very upset, and I I do believe uh, there were little House in the Prairie two hour specials for like a few weeks uh, on television yeah. that we'll discover after this. So. Yeah, R.I.P. Michael Landon. Yeah. yeah, and the one that hit me the hardest, mm. seriously one of my favorite actors of all time, 2001 is when we lost Jack Lemmon, who's 76. Ah, God bless it, Jack Lemmon died. And I would have just made Classic Corner. If I didn't have anything else to talk about, this would have just been Classic Corner. I, I, I Just where to start? Mr. Roberts, I suppose, is probably where you should start, because that was like one of the big roles broke. But uh, some like it hot or the apartment or days of wine or roses or China syndrome or missing or grumpy old man or grumpier old man. Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. Oh, my God. He's so good. And Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. Or uh, what was that? Oh, there was the TV 12 Angry Men. That was pretty good. Yeah. Um, The out of towners, the odd couple. Jeez. I mean, a ridiculous filmography. It's an incredible career. And uh, yeah, he's just always awesome. Even in things that aren't great. Yep. It's freaking awesome. If you liked how we talk about Tom Hanks, that's pretty much how people talked about Jack Lemmon throughout his entire oh, career. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, there's there's a ton of overlap on on that yes. Venn diagram. I thought he was yeah. pretty yeah, ha- yeah. pretty handsome in an old guy way, but like uh, he yeah. probably was pretty every man. Uh, yeah, exactly. He just he seems like just kind of an average guy. Just, yeah. just a schlubby guy. He's like your brother-in-law or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, dealing with regular old problems. You know, he's not Mr. Chiseled, handsome guy. He's just a guy. You want to have a beer with him? Yeah. Oh, so freaking good. And comedy and drama. Not mm-hmm. a lot of people are good at both. Mm-hmm. Not that good. Yeah. Anyway, should we get to the birthday quiz? Oh, my gosh. Okay, we got another set of birthday buddies this week. Two people born same day, same year. Same metropolitan area. Oh, no. What? 50 miles apart. These people are born on the same day. And you've heard of both of them. This is mind-blowing. All right, so let's start with first one. Born June 26, 1970. These guys are both turning 51. Uh, This guy's in the north side of Chicago, Winnetka. Uh, His dad was a radio station manager, and his first role was in a McDonald's commercial where he served Michael Jordan. Jack Black. No. Interesting guess. Damn. Well, I was, right. That was too confident. I almost quit. <laughs> like, right, right. Um, okay, movies of his we've talked about. Uh, coming up, we have Fried Green Tomatoes, which I kind of forgot he was in, but he is. Also, Men Don't Leave, Cookies, Fortune, Cats and Dogs, The Revenge of Kitty Galore. Cool. Um, yeah, yeah, some of these are hard. They're about to get easier, I'm though. Baffled. What if I told you he can be currently seen on NCIS Los Angeles for 12 seasons and counting? It wouldn't mean much to me, but... <laughs> mm-hmm. I knew it wouldn't. It's what threw it in. 
We've also talked about the Chamber in Love and War, where he plays young Ernest. Chris Hemingway. O'Donnell. It is Chris O'Donnell. Oh. Hey, well done. And uh, the Chamber. Why Batchelor. was the Chamber my giveaway? <laughs> I don't know. And Vertical Limit. Vertical I was hoping we get to Vertical Limit. Batman gotcha. and Robin. We haven't yep. talked about that yet, actually. Batman Forever, Batman and Robin. Yeah, we've mm. talked about Batman and Robin. It, like early on in the like show. first year. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So 50 miles away, the South side of Chicago, Juliet, Illinois, same day, June 26, 1970. His mom was a nurse and his dad was a junior high social studies teacher. Hmm. After college, he headed to Chicago and acted on stage a lot uh, at Steppenwolf theater, including being their fight choreographer and set builder. Tim yeah. Robbins. No, he, I think he did work at Steppenwolf though. So that's pretty smart. <laughs> but he's, he's older than one. Yeah. Mm. Um, this guy's filmography is so many bit parts for so long. Hmm. But we have talked about going all the way, City of Angels, The Men Who Stare at Goats. It's a decent sized part for that one. Hmm. Also, the live episode of ER, the Cheese Day episode of The West Wing, <laughs> two episodes of Gilmore Girls. Come on, that's not fair. <sighs> um, Nick the Plumber on Will and Grace. John Hamm. Nope. We already did John Ham. Sean right. Gunn. <laughs> nope. Um, to tie it to O'Donnell, who started in a McDonald's commercial, this guy played one of the McDonald's brothers in The Founder. Uh, Nick Offerman. It is Nick Offerman. Yeah. Whoa! Yeah. Yep. I left out one other thing on, the, <laughs> on his filmography to give it away. Fine wood strip canoe building. <laughs> oh, the kid yeah, is back. Chris, oh, it feels Chris good. O'Donnell and Nick Offerman. <laughs> Exact Damn. same age, both from they Chicago. could have dated the that same is woman. Kind of shocking. It is because they don't seem the same age at all. Picture no. yes, picture the image that you have in your head of Chris O'Donnell, and then picture the image that you have in your head of Nick Offerman. And try and try and in that your head, try in your head to real. pitch Chris O'Donnell like, what are you doing without a handmade wallet, Chris O'Donnell? Where were you? <laughs> what what century were you born in? It doesn't seem the same one that Nick Offerman was. No. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Let's talk about. Turning wood to make some nice <laughs> chairs. <laughs> Come on, Chris O'Donnell. It's like if they were a little bit closer, then it's like they could have played each other high school sports kind of close, but not quite. But one far north of oh, Chicago, one far south. That's definitely never happened. Awesome. Every birthday, buddy, they have a full continent at least between them. Hmm. Wow. So, uh, yeah. That is it. I hope you enjoyed the quiz. Patreon.com slash laser time. Um, uh, Give us a comment on the site. We do appreciate the feedback. I really love it when people really love something we may have talked about for like four seconds. It's great that yeah. it's great to see movies find their audience. I was not shitting on Pootie Tang. I'm just saying I was their audience. I showed up for it and felt let down. So Sarah likes it. I'm down. Whatever. I like it. All good. Yeah. You're outvoted. Mm. That's fine. That's fine. And AI is the best movie ever. And then scene. Uh, uh, <laughs> we're closing out with uh, what are we closing out with? Uh, we got to close out with something to talk about about oh, Bonnie Raitt. Come so on. good. So fun. When do we get to talk about the movie? 95. Ooh, a couple years. Yeah. I think. 94, Writ- Written and directed by a lady who wrote Thelma and Louise. There we go. Really? It all comes together. And then starring Julia Roberts, who we just talked about in Larry, Larry Crown. Crown. And it's just a web. It's just, just a web. It's just a web, y'all. It's mm-hmm. not a big as uh, big of industry as you think, um, meaning we don't have a lot of... Uh, I want to be, I want us to be playing on a car of someone like pulling into a college or maybe a DMV. <laughs> but like that's, if there's anyone out there in LA listening, put us in your movie as podcasters. Um, it'll be fine. Sure. Yeah. I think it's a fun idea. Uh, yep. 
No, I want to go to New York because I want to be a dead guy on a law and order. Oh, that's mm -hmm. true. Me too. Or or the person who finds the dead guy because it's always like a couple fighting about like, didn't you say you had the reservation? I'm looking for it right now. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you could Is hire Diana, but dead? you can do anything to my corpse. Anything. <laughs> you want a Game of Thrones me on a pike? I'm down with that. I should be the bitchy restaurant hostess that's like, mm, you don't have a res uh, reservation? Sorry. And then she well, spits no, on If your you're feet. the restaurant hostess, they have to ask you if you remember the person three times. And then you're like, oh, of course I do. Here's their receipt. Well, yes. That of you course, just I'll, have right now. I'll be like, oh, you don't have a reservation? Sorry. And then the Belzer will like show me his badge <laughs> and be like, this is my reservation. Yeah. It's like, Sorry. It's munch <laughs> <laughs> Is that what he said? Does he have does he say it's munch time as his catchphrase? <laughs> uh, I will only be in an episode with Richard Belzer. Okay. Um, I believe in a weird way this is my writer. The best connective <laughs> tissues between television universes you you we've ever known. Of course. Yep. Mm -hmm. Shred his coattails. And that's, uh, that's <laughs> right it. Right into the universe of every other television show I love. <laughs> Again, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, thank you to uh, my co-host for, Jesus, I feel particularly silly You're this welcome. episode. <laughs> um, and thank you to Bonnie Wright for taking us out of here. Take us out, Bonnie.